0: Welcome on in. Thanksgiving Eve on this Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us. DJ and PK coming at you. Appreciate your listenership. A lot of football. Jazz play tonight. Some basketball, too. Gonzaga, man. Did you see those guys last night? They kicked the crap out of UCLA. Very, very impressive. For the nation's number one team, St. Mary's with a win over Oregon. Not sure what BYU feels about that since they'll play St. Mary's a couple of times and then they beat Oregon. Maybe Oregon isn't as good. But let's get to football. BYU's got a big game coming up, and we're going to hear from BYU linebacker Max Tooley right now.
1: Max, no defender wants to go through a targeting process. You've had to deal with it. What's that like? What's it like both when it happens and then also when you look back on it?
2: Um, You know, I mean, college football in this day and age, uh, I mean, that happens. You, you see targeting calls most. Honestly, at least once a game, I feel like. But I mean, for me, it was it was kind of a, a sad one for me. I was really looking forward to playing the rest of that game. Uh, I was feeling really good out there. So, I mean, it, it, it. I mean, in my head, when I when I was actually committing the targeting uh, penalty, felt like a clean hit. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know that, that's the feeling I've gotten throughout my career of football. You know, when you have a good hit, but I mean. The refs the ref saw it a different way. So um, you, you can't really argue with that. Um, and you kind of just have to deal with that and uh, go on, go on with life and just keep a positive outlook. So. Talk about getting ready
1: for USC this week and their offense, obviously lots of talent there. What do you see? What challenges do you expect from them?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, USC is one of those teams where, you know the record doesn't really say say it all. Um, there are a lot of teams like that in the Pac-12. You never really know what you're gonna get um, coming into those games. But obviously, what we all know is that you know they have great talent. Um, they've had you know a tradition of winning. Um, so regardless, you know playing in the Coliseum, it'll be a good game. Um, no matter no matter who's playing, no matter you know what's what's going on. Um, so I think that's how we've been preparing this week. Is you know they're a, a Pac-12 team are really historically a really good team and, and they have the talent this year to be a great team as well um, so I think we're just taking it um, as we would any other game that we know is going to be a dogfight. Alex and then Jay.
3: Max
2: um, the the BYU athletics program is doing a lot of winning right now. All you know, it's you guys. It's men and women's basketball. It's like all over the gamut. What's it like, kind of just being, you know, part of of a school right now, where in terms of sports, like everything is going so well, seemingly. Yeah, I mean, it's a special it's a special place for athletics. Uh, I think it's definitely shifted in the last three or four years since I've been here. Um, you know, certain sports have had success in the past and, you know, BYU football's had their off off years and whatnot, but I feel like, you know, getting the first taste of really uh, a successful all-around uh, school athletic program, um, it's been really, it's been special to be a part of, uh, you know, especially having friends on other sports teams and being a member of the, the track team and knowing the the cross country runners that are winning nationals and watching them and supporting them. you know, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing to be a part of in in Provo right now. And you mentioned, um, you know, when you unfortunately were called for the targeting penalty that when you actually made the tackle that it felt clean, when you were going back and looking at the film, was there any part of you that was like, man, maybe it wasn't so clean. I mean, I mean, my pride tells me still no, but, Everybody else tells me, yeah, by definition, yeah, it was a target. I mean, it, that's the thing with the rule is it's very subjective. And, you know, each hit, I mean, if you, if you slow down each play, I'm sure there's a target on most plays um, that are just overlooked. So, I mean – yeah, you can't you can't really do much there, but yeah, I, I realize uh, there are things that I could have done differently, um, leading with my shoulder and whatnot. That you know, in in, in the future, I I hope to implement that um, so I can stay in the game. So, yeah. Jay,
4: go ahead.
5: Hey, Max. Of all the storylines Saturday, one is the the staying undefeated against the Pac-12. How important is that to you guys,
6: the players?
2: Um, I mean, it would be a really cool feat um, to do, especially in a year like this, coming from, uh, you know, playing uh, an independent schedule. It's, you know, we haven't had that, um, even this, these opportunities in the last couple of years. We've played a couple of Power 5 teams here and there, a couple of Pac-12 teams. But, you know, to to really play most, like, a good majority of the Pac-12 teams and, you uh, um, have a winning record in general is really impressive. but I, I think we don't look as much into that as, uh, you know, fans or, you know, Twitter, people on Twitter. But, I, I mean, uh, come the end of the year, if we're 6-0 against the Pac-12, obviously that's a, a great accomplishment for everybody on the team. And we'll all hold our heads high for that. So, yeah.
5: Do you guys feel like you've already validated that last season was no fluke? By what you've done this season, or do you feel like there's still more to
2: prove? I mean, yeah, it's hard to say when the when the season's not quite over yet. There's still a lot that could happen um, in the next couple games, uh, especially closing out the regular season this week. But overall, I mean, there were there were a lot of doubters, um, and I think I think we've done we've we've held up on our, our on our end, sorry, um, to kind of you know, prove that last year wasn't what people were saying it was. People saying it was a cupcake schedule or whatnot, whatever things they wanted to say about it. Um, I think we proved that we we could handle even losing guys and still play good against an arguably much better schedule, one of our hardest schedules of all time, I'd say.
4: Okay, we'll do last questions from Mitch and then Jake.
7: Max, how much... Uh Maybe pressure you feel to to be that leader uh, of the the linebacking unit with Peyton and of course Keenan's been gone for a while. But uh, with Peyton officially out for the remainder of the year, how much just pressure do you feel on your shoulders to to lead that linebacker unit now going forward?
2: I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot has changed over the course of the season, especially when you think back to you know first week we had Keenan, we had Peyton. Um, we had great leaders in that room, and we, I mean, we still do. I think that's the underlooked aspect of our linebacker room is most of us have been, I mean, I've been, this is my fourth year at BYU, uh, three or four, maybe even five of the other guys have been here for three or four years. And um, I think we've all been around the program enough to, to expect these, uh, you know, sudden changes in the season and uh, kind of just you know, step into place where we need, where we're needed. Um, I think, especially being a linebacker um, in this, you know, a little bit thinner defense than we had, you know, four, three or four months ago, um, linebackers are arguably one of the biggest leaders of the defense. So, yeah, it comes with a, a lot of responsibility. Um, but I think everybody has handled the, you know, the situation really well. And, you know, we're we're, we're overcoming the adversity when it comes. Also, you picked the swig jacket over the, the bullpeners. <laughs> Honestly, I was just given this jacket. I was lucky. Everybody wanted the swing jacket, so. Thanks, Max. Yep.
5: Max, uh, you're a guy that's from Utah, but USC is a big name. A lot of guys, I think, for, on your team are from California. But were you a USC
2: guy growing up at all? I mean, I personally, I had no interest in USC. I mean, all my uh, focus and attention was basically on the in-state schools, especially BYU, a little bit of Utah, but I mean, I never really had aspirations to play anywhere outside of Utah, especially in California. So, I mean, obviously I, I looked up at them, you know, especially in my childhood, watching guys like Reggie Bush and these other uh, greats coming through USC. They're obviously one of those teams that you regard very highly. Uh, for me, it wasn't ever uh super attractive to me and they didn't recruit me anyway, so they didn't want me. It's
5: uh, <laughs> It's understandable. I just also wanted to ask you, in terms of playing at the Coliseum, it's one of those iconic venues in college football. You looking forward to that?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's when when you think of college football stadiums and the the big ones, I, I love to say that I played at Tennessee, honestly, at the Stadium. That was a really good experience for me. But yeah, the Coliseum is one of those historically Awesome places to play, that's all I've heard. So I'm excited to get in there and play for my first time there. So That was Max Tooley. All right, let's do
0: some Ute stuff. Coming up next, we got Frank Dolce. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280
1: The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars, right, so down, down, down. and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their final game of the regular season as they look to stay undefeated against Pac-12 opponents. With a game in the Coliseum against USC, catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. <laughs> From Monday morning to the post game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280, The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
7: Join Jake and Ben Friday, 10 to noon, at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday sale in Draper. It's next to Cowabunga Bay, 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Time to welcome in Frank Dolce on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call eight seven seven three four six thirty three thirty three. Frank, good morning.
4: Hey DJ, hey PK. Uh, if I if I forget to mention it, I'll mention it up front, but I hope you guys both have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday.
7: Well, right back at you. Happy Thanksgiving, Frank.
4: Thank you.
8: Appreciate
4: that. And, uh, PK. Yeah. you like, you're my guy. You know you're my guy. (laughs) And we're, you know, we share the South Bay roots. But I was super offended by your Goldilocks segment about half an hour ago. (laughs)
0: Nice. <laughs> what particularly did you find offensive? See, he's a little hair challenged. Well,
4: like I, I like these. Like mm-hmm. I have no control. I have no control, you know, over my hairline. Now I shave it now because if I grew it in, I'd look like Ronald McDonald or something. But, but, but then you know, the guys that don't have to manage this issue, you know, like I'm proud of my hair, and <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'd be, and then I think you said something along the lines of, I'd be really depressed if I lost my
8: hair.
0: (laughs) I would, man. I I only like got one or two things going on, and my hair is one of them. (laughs) And I can't mention the other. Hey, bro. Wow. (laughs)
4: Yes. Yeah, I'm only good at three things, right? So I, I, you know, I'll just tell you from personal experience really, uh, uh, it is, it is depressing. Yeah. At one point, you I'm really depressed. This is not depressing. I mean, there's lots of other things that, that could be challenging, and this isn't, this isn't one of them. So, but, it, but at that moment, when you realize, when I realized, like, oh, that's it. I, there's no coming back from this.
0: Oh, exactly. My
4: head.
0: Yeah, I had my head. Yeah, a, I had a friend who pretty much was bald at like 23, 24, and he gets married. And married obviously, uh, he was young, married a gal his age. And because of his hair loss, there were people who actually thought that was his daughter. <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, Okay, the hair loss, it's like wow. if you go Frank and you just go aerodynamic, aerodynamic, Jordan made bald beautiful years ago. Yeah, but that was a choice. And so, right, but now if you do it and you got the good look and Frank's sharp dresser, right, and he stays fit, he's clearly oh, yeah, a former I mean, athlete. So you, you got it going on. Fine. But you can't do anything when the whole world looks at you like... You freak! You're dating someone. You married, <laughs> dating or married someone who looks like your daughter? Like yeah. my hair fell out. That's exactly what it was. I Remember mean, they were the same age. Yeah, they're the same age. They, they met in like, college. That really, <laughs> that really sucks. That crosses the line. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah.
4: Well, no, nobody, nobody doesn't like Jordan. I mean, he, his was the classic.
7: Yeah, like that. I'm, I'm that go, is, I may
0: go. I may do it life. and have a little earring too.
7: You should. Yeah, you, you played it right regularly. though, Frank. You just you just pivoted and moved on. You made it work for you. Next, look at you. You're on TV. Yeah. You're doing the radio. You got the career going. Oh, he's on TV. I remember I used to be on TV. You will be again <laughs> one day. You watch. <laughs> Frank, let's get right to it now. Your Utes. <laughs> Is that the best win since Alabama? Have you felt that good after a game since Bama? Maybe when they went up in Eugene a few years ago and put sixty on them. Maybe the well, Stanford upset.
4: You know, yeah, that the Stanford upset. Uh, I think was a tremendous win for Utah. So I, I'd put that one up there. I wouldn't put Alabama as high. I mean, in terms of uh, recognition and the win and the big moment. I, to, to be completely honest, I think only one team was really engaged in that football game uh, against Alabama, and it wasn't Alabama. So, I, you know, I, th- I think there was a little bit of the way that, that Coach Saban managed that, and, you know, I'm certain he, that was a learning experience for him. But, uh, but Utah certainly in that game came out ready to go, and, and the other team did not. But I think for, for kind of everything that was at stake in this one, this seems like I I'm, I might put this one um, right at, at the top. Uh, and the way that Utah played and the way that Utah managed that game uh, was just a dominating effort. I I was a little surprised uh, because I thought uh, if Oregon would be more game and Utah just beat them up right at the line of scrimmage and, and Oregon could never get on track. So... But that, that also goes back to my thought about I'm a little surprised that Oregon didn't, hasn't taken another loss prior to this game. Like, I've watched Oregon play almost every game this year, and I have not been overly impressed by that team. I mean, I thought it was, like, kind of a weird one-loss team. So, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not certain that team would have really made any noise in the playoff. For the Pac-12, I would have liked to have seen that team go, but but it feels to me like it, it could have been a kind of a blowout in a playoff scenario, and that doesn't really bode well for the Pac-12 either. So no. anyway, I think this, this game, certainly right up there at the top for
0: Utah. Yeah, no question about that. I agree with you. As I look at Cam rising, I, I can't help but be more impressed. And I've been on his bandwagon, so I'm going to keep running it. Because it makes me look smart. And if I got one or two things that makes me look smart, I'm going to just latch onto it and never let go. Uh, But the thing I look about him, you know, he's not overwhelming in really anything. But there's a couple of plays early, like third and five, and he goes back, and the pocket is sort of collapsing a little bit, not entirely, but he picks up the first downs. And it's almost like it goes unnoticed, uh, he'll he'll scramble when it's the right time. And if he needs five, he'll get you six. You know, if he needs nine, he'll get you ten. Whatever it is. And as I look at him, as I identify him as a quarterback, nothing really stands out. Like, wow, this kid is just Andrew Luck size or John Elway arm or whatever. But yet he gets the job done game after game. And I think the thing that I might be most impressed about it. With him it's just his poison composure to make whatever play needs to be made and even though it doesn't look like it's incredible it adds up to a touchdown you're a quarterback yourself evaluate what I said
4: so his ability to, to be steady under all different circumstances i think is his big secret like he's not he's not overwhelming in in any of those areas, like he's not athletic like a Cam Newton, and he doesn't have a rocket arm like an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but he, but, but the things that he does, uh, he does really well. He's like above average in all of the areas: above average arm strength, above average athleticism way above average in the ability to remain calm under pressure, to, to keep his head about him under pressure or under That he's done all year long is, I, you know, I'm sure he's done it. Um, I can't recall, though, when he's really put his team in a difficult circumstance because of a poor play or a poor decision that he's made there have been times and I would say Arizona is one of those times when he hasn't seemed as sharp as he typically is or as sharp as he was maybe against Oregon but on par he is he is always above average and if you can maintain that kind of you know he's not a roller coaster from the quarterback position in this offense, then I think you're going to be really successful. He, he probably threw one or two passes in the, in the game against Oregon that, that made you a little bit nervous. Like he, he threw into pressure a couple times that may have turned the tide a little bit, um, but it didn't affect the team negatively. But over the course of the game, over the course of the season, his ability to play – Um, at a high level consistently, I think, is his his, uh, kind of superpower, the way that he really excels.
7: So the team has one turnover in the last five games. He hasn't thrown a pick since ASU, and those are the only two picks he's thrown all year long. So as much as it's above average, and there's truth to that, the fact that you only have two turnovers on 251 passes. Doesn't that jump out at you? I mean, that's a great stat. If you're looking for great stats, that would be it, wouldn't it?
4: Yes, that's extraordinary. That's, uh, I mean, that that is way above average. So that's the thing I'm talking about. Is like he never puts his team in a, under difficult circumstances. Um, he, he he. It feels like you know, 99% of the time he's making the right decision, whether it's to throw the ball away, whether it's to break out of the pocket and run and not risk throwing the ball downfield or or making a play on, you know, throwing the ball on a third down. And so I think that his ability to possess the football, the fact that Utah has um, such a strong feeling about how turnovers affect the game. And his ability to manage that, and, and combined with, you know, Tavion Thomas and his ability now to control the football, he hasn't had a turnover. By the way, I hope we're not jinxing the team <laughs> heading, he, heading into the <laughs> I mean, but but their ability to play clean, I think, is the, is the is the way that they've been so successful. If you can remember early in the season, um, first three games ish in you know the turnovers were just killing this team and they were on the wrong side of the turnover battle which just isn't isn't the hallmark of a, of a Kyle Whittingham coach team so yeah turnover margin the ability to hold on to the football that you, you know Utah hasn't really gotten that many turnovers on the defensive side either no but the ability to hold on to the football uh is has certainly been meaningful for the team in their in their run lately
0: how much credit are you giving Ludwig for the team's success offensively this season?
4: Oh, a whole bunch. I, I thought we, you know, I was pretty. Um, I, I was. I wouldn't say I was soft on Ludwig early in the season, but I thought that the way that Utah was managing the offense early in the season didn't fit. Didn't necessarily fit their personality. And that could be for lots of reasons. Maybe because of the turnovers in the running game, or 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 what. But it felt like. Utah was much more interested in trying to develop a passing game downfield, um, especially with Charlie Brewer, you know, running the controls. And at, at some point they figured out coach Ludwig or the team or whatever figured out that, you know, we're just, we're going to beat people up the line of scrimmage. We're we're just going to run the ball and then we're going to play action pass off of that. And that's just going to have to be good enough. And it's been more than good enough. I, I, it's interesting to think that, uh, you know, Cam Rising has been so good. But he's, he's managed a different offense, I think, than Charlie Brewer. And, I'm you know, I'm curious to think how Charlie Brewer would be playing in the same scenario if Charlie Brewer was only throwing 18 passes in a game like Cam did against, against Oregon. He only threw 20-something passes the week before. And I think in the last several weeks, he's been averaging around the mid-20s. In pass attempts, that's that you know that's just not really how college football works these days. But that's what works for Utah, and and I think the way that Coach Ludwig has managed it has been very very good. Like his ability to just say, you know, what this is what is working. We're running the ball effectively against against Oregon, and we're just going to continue to pound on that. I'm sure that he had you know several passing plays lined up passing plays that they worked on throughout the week that just never got made it to the game because circumstances didn't call for it. And so, and I think that's hard for a coordinator. I think coordinators sometimes get into this thing of, well, we worked on it. We better put it in the game. And I don't feel like Andy Ludwig has that kind of ego. He just says, let's, let's do what works. And, and that's how we're going to win football games.
7: I think they're throwing the ball more now than they did uh, Tyler Huntley's senior year. But I also think that how much they throw the ball now has really followed the course of the game and what the game called for. When they're blowing out Oregon and Stanford, they're all about shortening the game, and he throws the ball 18 and 22 times because that thing was over, and it's shortened it, and the fewer plays are, Uh fewer chance there is for anybody to get hurt because somebody rolled up on him right? You don't need to lose any more offensive or defensive linemen. Let's get this thing over and get out of here. But yeah. 30 attempts at Arizona, the game was closed. 33 against Arizona State when they had to rally. 36 against Oregon State when they lose. They will air it out. I mean, they don't they don't have a problem with that. They couldn't kill off those games just because of the way the games went.
4: Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. And how about Tyler Huntley? I mean, that. Uh, that uh, game the other night with the Ravens. Good for him. I mean, that's a, that was a tremendous p- performance. But but uh, back back to Utah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Utah's afraid of, of throwing the ball. And I certainly feel like Cam uh, is capable of throwing the ball. And more importantly, uh, Utah's offensive line is much better at protecting when throwing the ball downfield. And so that was a – that was an enormous concern early in the season. Quarterbacks couldn't get into the into the drop and have any sort of comfort comfort in the pocket because the pocket was always collapsing. So uh, and, and there were times in, in this game against Oregon where Ham stepped back in the pocket and then he sat I, I thought Utah would employ kind of this quick passing game to negate Thibodeau. But there were a few times in the game when when Cam sat back in the pocket. He had time to read downfield. His offensive line did a fantastic job of creating a pocket, and he could make that throw. So, I, you know, I, as, as much as I, I want to say that Cam Rising is the difference in the passing game um, or even the way that Coach Ludwig is calling plays or the receivers stepping forward and, you know, or getting the tight ends involved, all of that stuff's great. But the truth is the offensive line has just, just been much much better in providing the ability to throw the ball downfield and when you do that I mean that's it's way more than half the battle if you can protect up front and give everybody else an opportunity to do their
1: job
0: by the time next week we speak to you we will know who the opponent is in Vegas as of today and this week we do not know and there's three possibilities to face the Utes in Vegas next week do you care which one
4: uh yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that I care about that. Um, I still think that, uh, like, in terms of, ma- if I had to pick matchups, like, uh, I still think that that uh, Oregon is the most athletic team in the conference. I don't think they, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure they were ever the number three team in the country, but I think they're most the most athletic team in the conference, and they have the most dynamic players on the field who can change a game and and they just didn't they didn't play up to their potential I mean Utah was really good and I thought Oregon um, was negated by what Utah did but I think there's a different Oregon team available so I would put Oregon as the most difficult matchup um, I would put Oregon State as the second most difficult matchup although I think um, Utah can and move the ball against Oregon State defensively, but but there's still that question mark. Can Utah control Oregon State's running game? Utah certainly knew what they were up against the first time they they went to the Corvallis, but didn't manage it very well. So I think that would I would say Oregon State would be the second most difficult contest, and then I think Washington State um, is pr- provides significant challenges for Utah, but challenges I think Utah matches up well against and so um, that's uh, um, I think of the three that's the most winnable kind of game Uh, if Utah is playing really well I think I think they get over Washington State with the most ease but but all three of those are losable games as well I mean I think those are those are difficult matchups each a little bit different so so if I had to rank them that's how I would put it. It's Oregon most difficult. Second would be Oregon State. Third um most difficult would be Washington State.
7: But it's going to be Washington State because that way the Pac-12 can have a seven and five team in their championship game and take. Uh, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> take more grief nationally. Right. And it's the same logic. You said the Utes will beat Oregon, absolutely, because that'll knock the Pac-12 out of the playoffs for right. sure. Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, if the conference can figure out how to make it as ridiculous as possible, then that, that's what the conference is, is going to do. And we, I, I think we've seen that throughout this football season. I mean, how does, I, you guys have watched Stanford play the last several weeks. How does Oregon lose to Stanford? I don't know. How, how does that, how does that occur? Oregon, I mean, Stanford is terrible. Yep. Stanford, Stanford yeah. is awful. And by the way, that kind of awful Stanford team that's out on the field right now, anywhere else in the in the country, that head coach is in trouble. Like, if, 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 if a head coach – look at what happened to Dan Mullen If a head coach throws out a season like Stanford is throwing out right now, that head coach is on the hot seat. Yep. There, I, I, don't, I have not heard one ounce of chatter about David Shaw. And, by the way, I like David Shaw. I don't want him to be in trouble. I think he's a good – He's a good fit at Stanford. But it's just interesting how the conference manages those things relative uh, to other conferences competing in college football.
7: Frank, as always, we appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving.
4: Man, you guys are the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: That was
7: Frank Dolce, former
0: Ute quarterback, talking about the greatness that is the University of Utah football program. We're going to do some BYU next. We'll get you Dylan Cawley, former receiver, always got stuff to say about the Cougars, particularly what they're going to do financially going forward. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280
1: The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game, and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at one, with the postgame show immediately following the game. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 975 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
7: PK it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877 346 3333. Dylan, good morning. Morning, South. How are we doing? Good. The L.A. Memorial Coliseum does it still hold a little allure? I know the team that plays in it is four and six, eh, going through a coaching change. But is there something about going to the Coliseum that's going to have all the BYU players pumped up, especially the California kids, especially the Southern California kids?
8: Yeah, I, I still I still think it has a, a little piece of, you know, uh, a little piece of tradition. I don't think I don't think it has what. The Rose Bowl has, you know, playing even even being able to play there, but it still uh, it still should be fun for everybody.
0: Yeah, the way I look at it, Dylan, you got a chance to go two things beyond that that ought to get you jacked up. You got five and zero against the conference, which is way fun, and then you got ten wins, and obviously ten is better than nine. I mean, to go ten and two, uh, you you. Totally backed up what you did last year. So as I look at this thing, to me, and the Coliseum is nice and all, and SC is the brand name. You yeah. get that, but I don't think it's going to be a big time atmosphere. It's going to be again probably a ton of BYU fans there. But I think the way I look at it is five and zero, and ten and two.
8: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I don't think that there is a, a better close the season that you could have the opportunity to have, um, and really set yourself up for. You know uh, the bowl game, and and more importantly, depending on what happens this off season, I think uh, going into next season, you're, you're you're running with a lot of momentum.
7: You say, depending on what happens in the off season, you're referring, of course, to make sure Kalani gets paid, the assistants get paid, and everything is moving forward, getting ready for the Big Twelve.
8: Yep, one hundred percent.
7: You're sweating that a little bit, aren't you? Ah.
8: Maybe a little, a little perspiration, even in the (laughs) 35-degree weather.
0: You know, I personally, I don't understand it. Uh, You've been in the program. Your family's been in the program for years and years. uh, And, you know, you serve missions, so you you can walk to walk because uh, you can talk to talk because you did walk the walk. Uh, And they talk about this program at BYU Sports being a missionary program. And, you know, I've heard stories, so I buy it. Uh, and it's important, and you're, and, and it's such a high profile situation here. And here you got somebody in Sataki, a minority guy, no less, uh, for a church that's viewed as primarily white. And why not invest? It's not like you don't have the money, and it's not just about. I'm not just talking about giving him gobs of money. I'm talking about doing what what needs to be done. Because I had somebody tell me that hey we're concerned about making the transition to the big 12 is going to be tough enough but if we're going to be underfunded it's going to be that much harder so mm-hmm. why not fund it the way it should be funded because i think guys like you media guys like me and more importantly joe fan or joe booster fan that's what they want
8: yeah A- absolutely and I- and i to be honest with you uh I do genuinely believe that that is what is going to happen. I don't think that there would have been a clear invitation to the Big Twelve even at this time, unless there were some situations that were maybe promised, or if this is even possible, some contractual agreements that basically say, "Hey, this is what we're bringing to the table. Right? We're going to make sure that we are funded. We are going to make sure that we are bringing, you know, our our piece of the pie to the conference." so that you're ensuring that you don't end up like, you know, what could be, and and I'm not saying this will happen by any means, and I'm not saying that this is even close, but the last thing that you ever want to be to a conference, you don't want to be the Vanderbilt of a conference, right? You don't want to be the one that is so far off in what you're providing your football team and what you're providing the conference that you're almost a hindrance, right? And so, as I say, yeah, I am sweating, and as there is a little perspiration, a little worry. That's more so probably because I'm a very much a hope for the best, expect the worst type of person. Um, and so, you know, I fully believe in Tom. I fully believe in the athletic administration. I fully believe that Kalani wants to be there. I know that the support staff wants to be there. Um, but I also understand that, you know, this is a, a this is life, and and things happen, and so. Would I be completely surprised? No, but I do know that you know, Tom and Tom and team are, are doing, you know, quite possibly everything that they can to make sure everyone is in place. And those situations are rolling through instead of having us kind of like you're saying, hey, why wouldn't you make sure everyone is is taken care of going into this transition?
7: So I guess, well, I don't think anyone has any doubt that Tom knows what needs to be done and wants what needs to be done. But there are multiple layers of bureaucracy and administration to go through, multiple yep. people to sign off on stuff. And anybody who's ever worked in a place with multiple levels of bureaucracy, and PK and I both know this because we've been in other places where it works like this. You know, there's an official way things work, and then there's an unofficial and other people Mm -hmm. get to, you know, stick their thumb in the pie before it goes to the Thanksgiving Day table. And so there's just this nagging fear that it's going to drag on, and college football, as an industry, moves at a freakishly quick pace. In other industries, Dan Mullen doesn't get fired. In other industries, Mm -hmm. Clay Helton's gone a year before, not week two. Clay's already got another job. This industry moves at a bizarro pace is BYU going to get caught off guard because it doesn't move at that pace?
8: I think it could. I think if there is if there is a susceptible program that could get caught at that pace, absolutely. I think what they've done in the last two years, the way that they have moved, um, I think they're in a perfect position to move at the pace that is needed to be successful. Um, but you are looking at a program that very well could be caught in that kind of whirlwind, right? That They, they could get slowed down. Uh, I think what they've done in the last two years, and you look at the little things, you look at what they've done for recruiting, you look at some of the immediate changes that took place even prior to, you know, offense coordinator changes and things like that, and, uh, you know, adjusting what needed to be done in, in regards to coaching. You look at what needed to be done in regards of, you know, the locker room for recruiting. You look at, you know, what uh, Billy Nixon, who is the player experience and and equipment manager down at BYU, you look at what he's been able to head up and change, um, you know, to help kind of elevate this new experience at BYU. I think everybody is right where they need to be, especially with the help of the basketball and the other programs right. They're seeing what happens and the success and the notoriety and being kind of that light on the hill that comes when you're investing and putting that money into the football program and the basketball program and the sports programs and doing it at an accelerated uh, rate, you know, probably faster than it has been done in the past. And so normally, yes, that is a worry. That will always be a worry. But from what we've seen the last couple of years, I think we're in good shape.
0: Yeah. I sort of believe what you think, too, that they're not going to come this far, and I think somebody has said this, come this far just to come this far.
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, That's a funny line, but it's a good line.
0: That <laughs> you've come this far, and you've made, you know, just a few years ago, you had the 7-6 and six stuff and 4-9, and, and things were looking bleak. Well, and we're, we're two years removed from that, but now everything is just looking up, man. So you've come, mm-hmm. you've made major strides here. And, and we've seen it in recruiting with kids decommitting from other places or transferring in that were four and five stars and want to be a part of the BYU situation. So basically, man, don't blow it now. And I, I'm on I'm on board with you. I don't necessarily have any proof, but I feel like logic, maybe it's just logic that's overriding my thought process to think that they are not going to let this thing get away.
8: Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree.
7: Except that a lot of other schools, the coach and the coaching staff, would already have the deals and they'd already be announced.
8: Which is very, very true.
0: Yeah, but I am I mean, they still have time. They do. It's it's not like they're up against it right now. And, yeah. and how do we know they don't have a plan and they're just waiting uh, to do what they need to do to go forward here and at their appropriate time? I mean, at the same time, it's a business, uh, so... If you don't have to give somebody more money, why would you give them more money? You know, <laughs> right. you know because
7: it's not like that—that uh, that we know of anyway. That there's been some offer made, or this or that too. But because you irritate them and then they just leave. When it's time to give money, by then they've already made up their mind. Something to be said for that.
1: And I think I think that
8: depends on like, the the personality that you're working with. Absolutely, totally agree. And and genuinely, I don't think Kalani's that guy. Uh, I think if, if I think Kalani, if let's say, let's say worst case scenario, there hasn't even been, you know, like there hasn't even been conversation about it. Right. Uh, I think Kalani would still is, is genuinely a guy that's saying, Hey, let's talk about this in a couple of weeks. Right. Let's talk about this after USC and before the bowl game. Yeah. You know, and to me, that might be like an accelerated rate for him. Um, you know, and that's it. No conversation is taking place already. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in between that time they came to an agreement. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised maybe even after the bull game, right, they came to an agreement. And, and that being, hey, let me, not necessarily let me go look at what other options are, but let's, uh, let me go see what else is out there in regards to what other people are offering me and seeing my value Right. What do they think I'm worth? Then I'm going to come back and say, okay, understanding the situation, understanding the program, here's what I feel. Here's what I've been offered by other people, and here's what I feel, you know, uh, this is what it's going to be for me to say. And I want to say, so I really need you to hit this number. And I really need you to hit this number for my assistant, and I really need you to hit this number for my support staff.
0: That's what I was going to ask you about the assistance here. It's almost like we're resigned to the fact if these assistants get another job offer, they're gone. And I wanted you to speak to the importance of an assistant coaching staff, uh, particularly in football, where they have so much more authority and responsibility is probably a better word uh, than they would do in other sports as assistant coaches. So it seems to me you know they've developed the staff here. And they need to do what they need to do to keep it rather than, oh, well, you got a higher paying offer at school, fill in the blank. Thanks, see you, bye.
8: Yeah. I think when you look at the position coaches, right, if you look at someone who is a current position coach in a football program, unless it is in, you know, an SEC school where they've already, chances are, have already had an experience in which they've been an offensive coordinator or they've been a head coach somewhere else, right? But if you look at the staff now, we still have a very, very young position coaching staff that have goals, right? Ultimately, you're being an assistant coach because you want to be a head coach. You're not going to get hired from being a defensive backs coach or a receivers coach. No one's just going to pick you up and say, okay, congratulations, you're the new head coach, right? I think you have to look at, you know, that conversation is completely different than the conversation that the offensive and defensive coordinator having because they're the ones that are saying, Hey, I'm already an OC. I'm already calling the shots. I can already go in and make, you know, 700,000 to to over a mil, uh, as an offensive coordinator. And I'd love to be a head coach, but right now, this is the situation I want to be in. Whereas the position coaches may say, Hey, I can go and make, you know, $400,000 $400,000 as a head coach at an FCS school, i.e. Betsy Sutake, who I believe, right, already has the experience as an offensive coordinator, already plays a huge role as uh, in the play calling at BYU. I think if he wanted to and go put his name out for either, you know, offensive coordinator jobs at G5 or even head coaching and offensive coordinator jobs in the FCS, He's a considerable, considerable name for those options. And so, you know, as much as he loves Kalani, as much as he loves the program and loves what he's able to do, uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a pretty damn good football coach and could, could be considered heavily for those options. And I think that'd be something that he'd want to, to look into.
7: So, you have any reservations about the game at USC and uh, the way USC has lost uh, four of the last five? What uh, BYU should be able to do, the way they ought to be able to to move the ball? Because the SC offense will score some points. I think they've proven that even in losses.
8: Yeah. I think as as long as the. My only reservation is. (laughs) I guess this is a tough reservation because you kind of hold them to such a high standard. But. It goes back to the offensive line. It goes back to Tyler Algier. I think the way that they're going to play, uh, they're going to stack the box, right? They're going to go man-to-man on the outside because generally they don't think that BYU has the athletes to play the game, and so they're going to go one-on-one all day long. And uh, I think if, if we do overpower that box and they're able to average four or five yards a carry, uh, it is going to absolutely open up the pass game uh, for for a huge, huge day, and so I think as long as we take advantage of that, it should be a it should be a good day. And I hope, I genuinely do, and I love our defense. I love the defensive players, but uh, I I am a I'm a big Jackson Dart fan, and I would love for Jackson to come in and you know have a phenomenal game against BYU. Not that he not that BYU, you know, did anything to him or he needed to prove everything anything, but uh it is fun to be able to go and, and put it on a team that, you know, you're close to and have connections to.
7: Dylan goley former BYU wide receiver, joining us right here. Dylan, have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again after the Cougars win their tenth game. Absolutely.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. There you go. That was Dylan Cauley. Coming up next, we got watch Trending. Jazz got a game in Oklahoma City tonight. Got to get back on the winning track. And also, two some big college basketball last night. RSL in a dogfight right down to the end with Seattle. Yeah, I'm soccer guy. I said it. I'm PK, and I'm talking soccer. Who would have thunk it? Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The
1: Zone. You know, even if we miss a shot, like we gotta be able to close defense. We
9: gotta be able to get hits. We gotta be able to, you know, when the team gets second look, we play good defense. And then we give them another look, and it's hard. You know, to guard three times one possession. So um, we gotta get hits, man. We gotta box out. We gotta get back in transition, and also we gotta turn the stop turn the ball That makes it harder for us to get back in transition.
0: So once we do that, we'll be in better shape. That was Quinn Snyder. Oh, wait, that wasn't Quinn Snyder. That was Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) He could have been Quinn Snyder, right? Because those are the exact same things that Quinn Snyder said after the loss the other night to Memphis. And Donovan Mitchell, when it was his turn to speak, went right down the checklist. No surprise there. They tend to be on the same page. And Mitchell talking about what the Jazz need to do to improve. And the great thing about the NBA is uh, when you lose, hold on. Because probably within 48 hours you're going to get another chance to rectify that loss. and That's exactly what the Jazz have because they're 11-6, and and they travel tonight to Oklahoma City. Obviously, they're already there, and they play the Thunder. Thunder's not a great team by any stretch. Young looking for the future with all those draft picks and all, so the Jazz need to be able to get this win here. You don't want to go to 11-7. Come on. Let's get get going here. Tip-off set for 6 p.m. with the hour-time difference. Coverage here on the zone will begin at 5 p.m., with Jazz Game Night Pre-Game Show with our guys Jake Scott and Tim McComb. Check it out. Stars were in action last night. They lost 122-119 to 119 to the John Stockton Kings. How about this? Elijah used 39 points. I never know what to make of this stuff with these guys in the G League and these enorm- enormous numbers. You know, what's-his-face? Uh, Butler had a huge game. I think it was their first game. Correct. Elijah Hughes, second round pick uh, a year ago, a couple years ago now. He's in his second year with 39. What does it mean? Anybody got an idea? I remember years ago, the Jazz drafted a kid out of, was it Rice, Morris, Alman? Yep. And he put the up some G big League numbers.
5: superstar himself.
0: Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, you get that. Uh, they talk about those guys in AAA. Uh, some of them who have been really good in AAA but couldn't get it going into major leagues. So they're like, uh, what, 4A players, they talk about? I don't know if that's what these guys are. Elijah Hughes, certainly eye catching, 39 points. Does it mean anything? Can he develop? Well, I'm not going to put a ceiling on somebody. Let that uh, take care of itself. But it certainly caught my eye. All right, that's the Jazz and your Salt Lake City Stars report right
1: here on 97.5, 1280 the zone. Hashtag NBA. Here's Tyler.
7: Two, one. I
1: mean, snaps it, rips it. No rim, no glass, just net. He's got 30. Walker, front court left, at the right wing. Bounce to Randall, wide open,
7: straight on three is good. And the two-man game from Walker and Randall working that time.
1: Ball stripped out of the hands of Barton, picked up by C.J. in the open court. Slows it down, gives it to Dame. Three-pointer, buries it. Blazers lead by 11. Powell backwards to Doncic against Hartenstein. Stepping back from the hash mark, got it.
0: That is your night in the NBA Light Night, a couple nights before Thanksgiving. Uh, the Blazers beating the watered-down Nuggets. Who get even more bad news because this morning I uh, didn't pay attention to the end of the game. I went to bed after the RSL. And I see that their uh, player, P.J. Dozier, they think that might be lost to an ACL tear, which is not good as they continue to lose guys left and right. And they're now, well, I don't think Dozier's a starter, but uh, they have already without three starters with obviously Jokic and, uh, what's his face Murray and Porter. Porter can potentially say in the season, if Dozier's got the torn ACL, then yeah, well, that's probably the same thing there. So the Blazers get them. The two big guys, not big, but big players on the roster. The guards, McCollum Lillard had big shooting nights, and so they win. Then they go right to that. If they shoot well, they win. So the Nuggets, man, this might not be their year. They just might not have the health the whole time. Speaking of health, Luka Doncic returns for Dallas, and he makes a difference. They beat the Clippers 112-104, and Doncic returns and looks really good. No surprise there, right? 26, 9, and 9. He's an outstanding player. The big game of the night LeBron Les James, not there. No LeBron James for the Lakers. And they lose. They were down 25, I think it was. Came back to tie it. And the Knicks prevail by six in the end. As the Lakers, I think they fall a game below 500 right now. And the Knicks move a couple of games up. And the Heat beats to hit Pistons. Tyler Hero with 31 points off the bench. Nice pick for them. All right, that's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 for the zone.
1: Hashtag college basketball. Bernard misses the jump shot. Another rebound for the Bulldogs. This time it's
3: Timmy who pulls it down to Nemhard. He's flying down the floor again. Nemhard to the rim, and he scores one more time. Andrew Nemhard is rolling. Juzang back to Johnson on the pick and roll. Holbrun. Comes over. Blocks the shot. And his back gets around. Johnson
1: Heifers home. A two-handed highlight. Real dunk.
3: Demar dribbles the clock down. Screen from Timmy. Pass right side home. Gritty catches and shoots. The three from the
5: right side
0: is good. There you go, man. How about the Gonzaga Bulldogs? How about the West Coast Conference? No wonder BYU wants out, huh? West Coast, you've got, well, I'll give you St. Mary's just beating up on Oregon, who just struggled offensively so much. Maybe Oregon's overrated. I don't know if you're a BYU fan. What do you think about that? Because Oregon would help your power ranking, but you're going to play St. Mary's a couple of times when conference season gets here in uh, several weeks. So St. Mary's looking pretty good there. Gonzaga looking absolutely awesome. I was excited for that game, and it was pretty much a blowout. A little slow start, but then a few minutes into it, the Zags just built a 20-point lead, and that's basically where it stood, and it literally was the difference in the game, 83-63. Uh, nemhard, who is not considered their top two players, that would be Timmy and the string bean, the draft dude, Holmgren, the freshman. Uh, but nemhard has been around, and he looked good himself, and The whole team looked absolutely awesome. As number one, Gonzaga just beats the Bruins of UC Los Angeles by twenty in vegas really really worked him holmgren with that uh, behind the back uh, then go up and dunk it and he's supposed to be the number one recruit i imagine he'll be one and done why would he stay beyond that so but then gonzaga just continues to reload they're going to be tough really tough they've already beaten te- uh, texas so i think it was ranked like 12th or 13th they beat up on them by 12 and then they got to bruins at number two they got duke i think on friday as their non-conference schedule surely is really, really good as they usually do. Locally, we've got Southern Utah. They beat Yale by three in overtime. Tevian Jones, twenty-four points. Man, what a player that Jones! And today they're going to play Bowling Green, at eleven-thirty. We got UVU's off to a four-and-one start, looking pretty good. They got Nichols at three-thirty. And the Cougars, number 18, the Cougars, Texas Southern. So they should move to 5 0. And that game is tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on BYU TV. For those of you who are so inclined, 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's your college hoop right here at 97.5,
1: 1280 in the zone. Hashtag NFL.
9: Did you stove your, stub your toe? You were walking around with COVID. Bang! Is that what happened out there?
2: Look, Pat, I've already talked enough about on this show about my uh, medical uh, status. and other. Words. <laughs> so,
6: I've given you enough information at this point. I have a t- injury that's not going away, and I'm going to be dealing with it for at least the next few weeks.
0: That's Aaron Rodgers on that Pat McAfee show. This Pat McAfee's made a name for himself. But uh, with those interviews, especially with Aaron Rodgers, right? And McAfee usually has like a muscle shirt on or something uh, when he's doing the interviews because yep. it's uh, available. Uh, he's a uh, charismatic. He's not your traditional uh, interview journalist guy, obviously. Not, not at all. And so he's got a lot of personality there. And Aaron Rodgers talking about this toe injury, and he talked about it the other day, too, is that it's there and it's bothering him and it's going to continue to bother him. Yeah, I believe it. I don't think Aaron's making this up. I think that's what they have to deal with. So many guys are dealing with something, one thing or another, or multiple things or others. So we'll see how the pack does with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think he can. if he can get out there and play, he's going to find ways to beat you. But that's for sure, because he's really, really good. Uh, the Jets, how about this, man? Zach Wilson is going to be back. Well, I don't know that they really have a choice because... What was it? Uh, white tested positive. Correct. And then Flacco has got the close contact. What do they call it? The contact tracing? Yep. Yeah. I just sit out. I did the shows from home for a week uh, a couple of months ago because I was involved in that. So Zach is back. Uh, who do they play? They play a dog team this week. They play the Texans, don't they? I believe you are correct. Yeah. So Texans, although they won last week. And the Jets have a couple of victories. We'll see. Now, Zach has missed a month, right? He missed four games. Yep. Uh, I'm rooting for the kid. Hope he does well. You know, listen to national shows. I got the satellite radio in my car. Flick around. There's a dozen of them. And some people thinking that, okay, he's a bust, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. I hope he's not. I hope he's not a bust. I hope he does well. I'm rooting for him. I like him. And get a chance to get back in there after a month off. And I would think that uh, he used that month wisely uh, to get himself even more prepared. Now let's, before we even come close to making any proclamation, we got to give him at least a couple of years. Josh Johnson being elevated from the practice squad. Tennessee, three games into his stint, they wave Adrian Peterson. He's getting up there, so I don't know what's going to happen to him. He was uh, with them for three games. Scored a touchdown, what was it, uh, against the Rams? Yep,
5: first game with them November 9th.
0: Yeah. And then we got the traditional uh, Cowboys and Lions. Lions play the Bears. Do the Cowboys play them all?
5: Cowboys are playing the Raiders, you'll hear right here on the zone.
0: Uh, there you go, Thanksgiving. We'll have Lincoln Kennedy coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about that game. That's tradition, man. You've got to – got to watch the parade i watched the the macy's day parade i hope they're having it this year nobody drives a car into it either but uh gotta watch that my mother watched it she's gone now and i did that growing up watching the parade back east in arizona the two states she lived in and uh, so i watched the parade and then i'll begrudgingly watch the lions <laughs> it seemed like they've been awful for years and years and then the cowboys right gotta watch the cowboys uh, and then eat, and then sleep, and eat some more. That is my Thanksgiving Day agenda for you. What do you got going on? That's what we do, watch football, right? And get together with family. I Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: Hashtag college football.
3: No
2: need to hype it. I mean, it's the things we just talked about. I mean, this uh, it's a playoff game. It's a rivalry game. It's at the highest level.
0: That's Jim Harbaugh, obviously. I totally agree. There really is no need to hype this thing. Michigan, Ohio State. This is huge. I think it's uh, huge for both programs, yeah. Ohio State, just how legit are you? You're number two. The poll came out last night, right? And they moved up. Uh, They're sitting there right at number two. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, And they've got Michigan. And it's going to be a big game. And it is a playoff game in a sense. Winner can continue. Uh, loser is out because they'll each have a loss or uh, multiple losses. Then because they each have a loss right now, so excited. And then uh, I can make a case that if the Utes win next week in Vegas, that filled out my credential for that yesterday. Looking forward to that game. If the Utes win that game, we'll be we're blowing out the blowing out the budget, man. We'll be down there broadcasting for a couple of days too. Uh, Several of our shows will be down there. I think three of our shows will be down there uh, next week. So if they win that, the loser of this game could be the opponent in the Rose Bowl. We'll have to see how that shakes out. As I said, the rankings, BYU moved up a spot. Can they get a New Year's Day 6? I think it's possible. Probably think it's a long shot. Rooting for it? Absolutely rooting for it. It's good for our business to have these teams do well. I'm a BYU homer, I admit, but the problem is I'm also a Utah homer. (laughs) I got you both covered because you guys do well, people want to listen, and it's more fun to talk about winning than losing. So absolutely, I'm a BYU homer. I'm just not more of a homer for the Cougars than I am for the Utes. I homer for them both for selfish reasons and personal reasons. I'm not going to deny it. I like their coaches. Come on. Everybody knows that. No, there's no point in hiding and pretending I'm some big, hard, tough guy uh, when it comes to that. When that's not the case, uh, Cincinnati number four. Yep, first group of five team to be that high. I think they deserve it, man. They're—I I, I don't even know if I can call them the little guy. I guess they're the little guy by definition, but it seems stupid. I, 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 and it really bugs me when we hear that mid-major term for football. Uh, Cincinnati, come on, man. They went into South Bend and won. And that's Notre Dame's only loss, Notre Dame, just right on the outside. Can they get in? Yeah, I think they possibly could. We'll see what happens. Some big money being thrown out. Last year, man, these colleges were, oh, $30 million deficit, this and that. We need help. And I'm not just picking on BYU by any stretch. Because all this stuff that's out there with the pandemic and the games were canceled and yada yada on and on it goes. So what do we see? Penn State signing James Franklin to a ten-year deal. Uh, he's got making seven and a half mil through his base salary, and obviously there's other stuff linked into that, tied into that. You know, retention bonuses, additional incentives, bonuses for this, bonuses for that. Free cars, country club, memberships. And then you got Liberty. Liberty? Liberty. Giving you freeze What, four million bucks? Yeah. Cry me the blues on money because they're sure handing it out. And then all these buyouts. College football salaries. Out of control. That's the way of the world. All right. 97.5, 1280 the zone.
1: Hashtag Major League Baseball. How about
0: this? Speaking of Monday, Wander Franco, now he's just a kid. And they, this is—he's with the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're doing what the Padres did last year to tease, tie him up, twelve-year deal, one hundred and eighty-five million, and it could go up to as much as two hundred and twenty-three million if he reaches all the incentives. Small market, nobody goes to the game, lousy stadium, Rays putting in just a kid who's got like two hundred eighty at bats. In the big leagues. You think he played 70-some games last year, somewhere along those lines? 70 games, yep. Yeah, and and, uh, basically, uh, you know, that's uh, half a season, a little bit more. But they believe he's going to be a stud, so they just ink him to this massive 12-year deal. Same thing that the Padres did with Tatis. Now, I follow Tatis a little bit closer, so we'll see what happens there. I think Tatis is a star if he can stay healthy. I'm wondering if the uh, Padres move him out of shortstop and just have him pick daisies in right field or something so he could stay healthy. And then MLB and the Players Union agreed to move the upcoming deadline to teams to offer contract to certain players to keep them out of potential limbo in the event of a work stoppage next month. Tender deadline has been moved from, it's been out about three days, from December 2nd to next week, November 3rd. December 2nd is next week, too. It seems like they're going to have a work stoppage in this Discuss me, but that's the way the world goes with these things, with these labor uh, beefs between owners and players. I try not to get involved with it so it doesn't blow my love for sport. And speaking of my love for sport, Yach, can we get to the
1: beautiful game now? Hashtag RSL. Now with Juarez on Seattle's bench, Justin Glad at the age of
7: 24 can knock Seattle out. cross the line
3: RSL has knocked Seattle out of the playoffs
0: how about that I am feeling glad all over oh yes now you may have noticed on PK normally DJ takes the lead well DJ he just he can't be here today because he is still recovering man when he wakes up Yak, is he gonna have the um, just the ultimate headache if you get my drift the hangover all hangovers (laughs) yep I didn't want to use the word but, man, uh, Hollywood's going to make a movie out of the way DJ feels right now because RSL, in the most bizarre game I've ever watched, in the most bizarre sport I've ever watched, they literally took no shots on frame. Oh, yes, I love it. When I speak soccer, <laughs> I'm so glad he's not here this morning so he can't interrupt me. I mean, no no shots. They took zero I only watched half the screen last night because the entire game was down on RSL's half. They hardly ever get down to the other side of the field. There's no need to have a full screen. I don't know DJ has a big TV, but even he didn't need it. That is unbelievable. They took no shots. And what did the Seattle had, 20-some shots? 21 that officially 21 mm-hmm. yeah, i thought it was 24 but it was 21 yeah our man david the dark man ochoa what do they call him david ochoa the dark arts the dark arts yeah there it is yeah the dark arts ochoa and i mean he was injured i thought they were gonna have a stretcher and if they would have a stretcher for a goalkeeper i would have turned it off right then and there you're done but he bounced point. up he got up, man. He summoned the energy to stand up and swat away a few. And then they go into penalty kicks, and they beat him six to five. Glad's kick barely goes in. Yaku has to get in the office at two in the morning. He stayed up till one thirty watching this game because he's a devoted the old, RSL really. fan. What am I off by twenty minutes? No, by a couple
5: hours. But okay, we'll go
0: with it. <laughs> It's drama, man. This is soccer. We create yeah, drama. Yeah, well,
5: good, good point. Yeah, see, so we do create <laughs> drama in that sport. There's no doubt.
0: 34,000 strong in Seattle. Oh, my gosh. They lose the Sonics. The Seahawks aren't any good. And now the Sounders. See you freaking later. The Thunderbird Chiefs. They don't call it the Thunderbird Chiefs anymore because it's not politically correct. Pablo Mastrione, same high school as PK. We're brothers he gets to win. He said, Hey, man, I coached to win the game. That's the way it was, man. Roos knocked out. Did, did he got tracing or has he got, got COVID? He so said he's, he's tested positive for COVID. Uh, tested positive. That's right. He put that out there. Arguably, well, his top two or three player, if you want to say he's his best, I go with Demir. But nevertheless, what a win. Now they will get Sporting KC Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, right there on A freaking BC. Oh, man, it is great to be an RSL fan, and I've never been a bigger fan. How about that, Yock? I don't need DJ to talk soccer. Screw him. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah, forget him, man. And I do it for purity. I don't make any money off of it. So he's not here to interrupt me, and I'm doing it because I love the sport, not because I went up there and I realized I could make a dollar, so I'm going to jump on this. No, I had—I don't make a dime off of these guys. I'm not like him. I didn't maneuver backdoor ways for years so I could get the TV job. I am so glad he's not here to interrupt me so I can speak my mind when it comes to this stuff. Am I right, Yach? Yes, go
5: right on ahead. There's no financial (laughs) implication on any of this.
0: Make sure, Jake, send this to Jake Scott so he can hear it. Yes. He may not be up right now because it's still early. We'll get it to him. And he's got to be up late tonight. Uh, But he loves the manifesto when uh, DJ preached it. He went on his soapbox. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so fun. I'm glad they won. I like the guy. I like the coach. And so now they move on. Oh, and we hate KC and they hate us. The drama in the postseason, it just only gets bigger with soccer. Yeah, I can talk soccer. I just don't wear it on my sleeve so I can win awards. Let me tell you about that. Get out of town right now. What is training brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them at 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That is Shamrock Plumbing. Okay, coming up right now when we come back, Lincoln Kennedy, who does the radio uh Color Commentary with Brent Musburger. They get the Cowboys tomorrow and the Pac-12 Network. He's a Pac-12 Network analyst. He calls games on Saturdays. Uh, And then he'll join us here coming up at 7.30, 8.05, a weekly visit from Riley Jensen. He's a college football insider, knows a ton, and he's a mental performance coach. And also from the Colorado Buffaloes beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera, Brian Howell. Talk about what the Buffs can do They have any hope. Friday afternoon when they come into Rice-Eccles to play the powerful Utah Utes. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: It's game week for the Cougars. Down, down, down. and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over
6: till it's over.
1: The Cougars hit the road for their final game of the regular season as they look to stay undefeated against Pac-12 opponents with a game in the Coliseum against USC. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. <laughs> From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Welcome back in. Lincoln Kennedy going to join us, and he comes to us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving you a Free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. Lincoln DJ spending some family time. PK running the show. How are you this morning?
10: Not bad, PK. Good to be with you. Happy holidays uh, to you and all your listeners, and, and thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. We certainly enjoy it. Tons of stuff. Want to hit with the Utes. You know, they were favored by two or three points the other night, so it's not a big shock that they won. They're playing great ball, but how surprised were you to see the level of domination that the Utes had over the Ducks?
10: Not really surprised. Um, you know, I, I felt Utah has been a physical team all season. They just need to find their rhythm. And they, I mean, they found it, you know, by obviously making their quarterback change earlier. Um, but then, you know, Ludwig got into a nice little rhythm with their multitude of backs, uh, the way they used their tight ends to play action games. Everything was clicking offensively. Defensively, I knew that they had, uh, you know, from the very start. Uh, but, but not very surprised. I, you know, there were a lot of people who talked up Oregon more than I did. I obviously was conflicted because... You know, um, I want the Pac-12 to have national recognition. I, I was certainly, you know, pleased that Oregon went back to Columbus and was able to beat Ohio State and take care of business, obviously on national te- television. But I never really thought they were really the true the, the, true, the true strength of the Pac-12, um, and I always thought favorably of, of Utah. Conversely, so you know, I thought this was just one of two games. I expected these two teams to see each other in the Pac-12 championship. Um, Oregon State has been too inconsistent, even though I was high on them earlier in the year. So I don't. Know if Oregon State's going to be able to pull out the Civil War, but you know, I I think Oregon, uh, you know, probably will probably beat in in, uh, immediate allegiance. And I'm certainly proud of Utah, they're looking for their first opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl.
0: Yeah, now this is a thing that just to me it just screams the need to expand playoff because. You know, if you look at it, well, Utah's lost three games, you know, if you, but you're not involved like uh, we are. We know they made a quarterback change. We know right. that the offensive line was a little patchwork. I mean, they replaced, uh, they lost uh, the running back Ty Jordan, and right. Tavion Thomas has taken off, and he had a little bit of a slow start after he got past Weber. So the point I'm making is how much do you see Utah gelling to, to me? And I'm probably biased here because I'm a local guy, but I think that they are a top-ten team right now. Their record doesn't reflect it, but I'm talking about right now.
10: I think they're playing some good football. Um, and I can probably you can probably make an argument. I don't know what the top ten is, but you can make an argument for um, them to be in the top ten, especially as well as they're playing and getting things right. You know, the, the thing is, is that you know we are, I think we're still the only conference that plays nine conference games, and re- unlike some other conferences, the the, the Pac twelve is not top heavy to me. I think there's level of competition that's pretty even um, for the most part throughout the conference. You know, for what it's worth, um, you know, thinking there's not really a dom- a true dominant quarterback in this conference, which is something that you don't normally always see uh you know, it's, it's not a yearly thing um but for all for what it's worth you've got some very physical football teams and I think that's something the Pac-12 has been lacking for some time in order to compete on a national scale now where does this put us this puts us that you want to send your most physical team to meet the Big Ten champion probably going to be either Michigan or Ohio State depending on how the, the playoff goes um and, and then you want to be able to win beat them to also gain that national recognition to put you back in position next year to say that you can compete with the big boys we've been lacking that for some time and I think yeah. Utah would be a great representative to, 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 to just that
0: Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on The Zone and I was a kid coming of age when the Devils and the Cats go into the Pac-10 right mm-hmm. and so you know, I have a little bit of a familiarity with the conference going back the Devils uh people think that there was a transition period. Actually, there wasn't. They were pretty good in in the conference, and they go to the Rose Bowl, I think, in their, like, eighth or ninth year in 86, the game being played in 87, right? But you look at it, Arizona's never gone. Uh, There's been some other teams in my lifetime. Cal hasn't gone. Or, you know, the – The Utes haven't gone, I understand that, but it's it's funky in that you play nine games and then you have that one-game deal, and if you don't win it, you don't get to go. But my thought for you is that Utah here, uh, they're like ten years into it, And all this time where there's been so many coaching changes in the conference, the Utes still got the same dude, Kyle Whittingham. And you've been around him. You've been around this program. You're an offensive lineman. You know what toughness is about. You're speaking to it. But for me, this really, as he became the winningest coach in Utah football history, it's not like it's a crowning achievement because there's still work to be done. But the remarkable consistency that Kyle Whittingham has brought to this program, I have to believe you would agree with me, is just extremely impressive.
10: See, the key word there was Consistency, which is something you don't see in college sports. You see the transfer portal for the players. You see coaches jumping ship every now and then. But the consistency and the stability of the program has always been the same. Look, I've always known Utah football to be ground and pound. And even when they started trying to open things up with the passing game, it really didn't true, it truly look like them. It looked like somebody different trying to force feed something, like, it, like when um, you know Bill Callahan decided to go to Nebraska and try to open them up with a wide-open offense. So, you know, I, I've seen that pillar of consistency, consistency, consistency throughout Utah football, and yes, I I respect it, and I appreciate it, because with that consistency, you know how they're going to recruit. You know what they're looking for on both sides of the ball, and you know that the, the, the consistency is going to be, you know, synonymous through the coaching. Look at his coaching tree and how it's affected just not only Utah schools, but other schools, and it's something that... That I'm certainly fond of because it's something that I had a little bit of a you know a history with you know being coached by Don James and his effect on Washington football program. Same thing I think about Whittingham and Utah's program.
0: Yeah, good comparison right there. Now you called the Washington Colorado game I believe on last Saturday, yeah. and the Buffs get the win. Uh, Buffs coming in here obviously uh, to play to close out the season. Uh, how do you handicap that?
10: You know, Washington, I think, they had more twice as many yards as they did but didn't have enough points. The turnovers killed them. Uh, Washington just, just looked – uh, bad. that's the only way I can put it and I hate to say that as, as a proud alum, but they look bad Colorado's not very good um i'm just going to cut it like it is they 're not very good they're not they 've got injuries on defense um and their their offense is truly inconsistent. you've seen flashes of it last week they were putting some things together, but you know they they're they're not very good they're a work in progress, and I think you guys understand it. The one thing I will say this is is What's unfortunate is how this rivalry is trying to be forced, because to me, rivalries are when you have competitions that go back and forth. A rivalry is not when it's completely one-sided. And, you know, I know what, you know, you, you look around the rest of the conference, everyone has got their own rivalry, and everyone has their extended rivalry. But, you know, to be honest, in my opinion, Utah versus Colorado is not a rivalry. They're trying to force it, and I respect that, but it's not a rivalry.
0: There you go, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 analyst, bringing it strong here this morning with DJ and PK. Uh, got any news on what you think Washington may be interested in doing to get uh, their coach for the football program?
10: No, it's it really is going to be tough because there's a lot of notable name and programs that are open out there. Um, I'm one of the alums who, 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 who you know, voiced my opinion and said, I don't. I'm not really wanting you to go for the the glamorous or the or the glitzy coach, the big name. I'm not really wanting to push that. I want them to push somebody of credibility, somebody of integrity, somebody of respect, like you guys have there at Utah, Winningham, like we had with Kit Peterson and Don James. Not to say that you know Jimmy Lake wasn't a man of respect, but he just had a jaded pass he couldn't escape from. Um, but yeah, I, I want somebody who's going to stand up for the true integrity of the program. And also, I the, want the, somebody who's going to be physical. I want to play physical football. I want to be like the Oregon's and Utah's because I think that's really the only way that you could compete on a national scale. All this fluff and throwing around and, and, and trying to do all this you know, fancy stuff. Doesn't translate when the weather gets bad. You know, Seattle's in the open, Washington's open to the stadium. It doesn't transfer. It doesn't transpire when you have to go to places in tough places to play, like a lot of these Big Ten and SEC teams. So, I want whoever they bring in is a man of integrity, a man of respect, and one who's going to create toughness in the program.
0: And so, do you think that uh, programs there's a, a specific way to win? Say, like if you're down to the University of Florida. Whatever that is, you know, because obviously they let Mullen go, and right. so they've got an opening. And all the way across the country, you can't get any uh, more uh, distant away. A University of Washington. You believe right. that in order for Washington to be successful, there's a specific formula and a pattern that they have to follow.
10: Yes, one like Coach James had, one like Coach Pete had, and I said that because I, I really, I, I think you have to understand the area in which your university or where you're coaching at and you have to understand what's surrounding the importance of recruiting the Washington standards, the recruiting, the importance of recruiting the Pacific Northwest and controlling that area. When you talk about how your team is built, is important. It's not only important for the image of the team, the popularity of the team, but it's also important for the integrity of the team. It means it's something special when you've got you know homegrown guys who are who are playing for for Washington in that area. Same can be said about Utah. How important is it for Utah to recruit the way they do? Not only to put you know the the, the Pacific Islanders. And for the Mormon nation as that they have, but it also around the surrounding areas. I mean, that's important, and that, that helps build up the program, solidify the program. So I do think that where you are, the region you are, you have to know not only love recruiting, but know how to recruit the area well, because that's going to be a base where you get your your, your guys from. And yeah. so, when you talk about coaching and uh, moving forward, the integrity, the, the the character that you build within the program is going to resonate, and then that's going to just sort of reverberate throughout the the country or the world when you get a look at it. Georgia, right. the way Georgia started competing with Alabama, they started recruiting like Alabama. They, they they got big guys like Alabama. They became a physical football like Alabama. For a time, Florida was the same way, especially when Urban Meyer was down there. They were they were physical. They were they were a team that could push you around and they were also could had enough speed to throw and you can they you know, had fast defenses. That's what you have to do when you're in those areas.
0: So how about S C, do you think because of the Hollywood thing and the celebrity that they gotta go with the glitz and glamour?
10: I think they do. I mean, you know, SC is one of those programs that's a, it's a, it's a front, it's a top-five program, call it like it is. It is glitzy, glitzy and glamorous. If you have a less recognized guy in that position and he fails, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to point really quickly and really early that this shouldn't be, this isn't right, you need to fire him, and then you're back to square one. So um, I'm not saying that a glitzy guy is going to work, but I just think there are certain positions that deserve that and are probably going to have that more time than not.
0: Lincoln Kennedy joins. Us. He also does the Raiders. Raiders losing to Cincinnati. Uh, they got the Cowboys. You view it, uh, I don't know if it's early or what. I don't know if I could say this, but I'll just get your thought on it. Is it a must win?
10: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. You have a three-game slide, and if you're talking about the, the sort of um, uh, the congestion that is the ASC, when it talks about the playoff picture, if the Raiders have not done themselves any favor uh, dropping the last three games. Not only are they dropping into division 1 to Kansas City two weeks ago, but you know losing this last week to Cincinnati just makes it even more garbled. So you've got what seven games I think remaining. Uh, yeah, I would say. The Raider, if the Raiders have any aspirations of going to the playoffs, they have to win six out of the seven games.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah. You, how, how realistic is that? I mean, that Not realistic
10: that's a... at all, especially okay. the way they're okay. playing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when we, when we get to this time of season, we, we always talk about must-wins, especially in the pro game. This is, these are must-wins. You know they. It, you know, look. I came into this season saying that I thought the Raiders are going to be ten and seven or nine and eight, um, and there were games that I looked at in the schedule, and especially when the season started playing, I was like, oh well, they'll be able to handle you know teams like the Bears or, or the Giants or the Bengals. You know, they're going to have some trouble with Kansas City, but it's not it's not unthinkable because they did split last season. Um, I think they can handle the Broncos and the Chargers. I think they can split, and then you look at some of those other games. Well, I, I knew they were going to have some trouble against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are physical coming into season and the Cowboys are physical. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens. I didn't expect them to start the first month of football off a 3-1. You know, I didn't expect that. So I was giving them some cushion to lose some games to kind of find their way. But the team, some of the teams that they lost to makes it even harder to teams that they have to beat or to beat and starts tomorrow when they, they take on the Cowboys.
0: Is there really a dominant team in the AFC?
10: Mm, no but there are there there are some good teams that have enough good players and enough good tools to win i mean i think yeah. when you look at it collectively how the patriots are coming together it's surprising because they're doing it with a rookie quarterback, and I don't think anybody really expected that. But they've got a rhythm about them, and they've got you know you know what their defense is. Um, the Bills were expected to be that team that was supposed to be in the AFC Championship. They've taken a couple steps back because they've been just beat down by turnovers. Um, There's other teams that are necessarily surprising. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily surprising like the Ravens, but you have you look at that conference. Everyone in that in that division, I should say, is over five hundred. So there's, they're going to beat up on each other. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think there's a truly dominant team in the AFC.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I know you'll be working. Yeah. We'll catch up with you next week.
10: Sounds good. You guys be safe and enjoy your holiday.
0: All right. That's Lincoln Kenny, Raider Analyst, Pac-12 Analyst, University of Washington alum, College Football Hall of Famer. Big. Hitcher, big uh, what with a poster or whatever you want to call, it, big picture of him hanging outside of Husky Stadium. If you ever get up there, I've been up there a few times with the Utes and the Cougars for that matter. Uh, we sure appreciate him joining us each week. Coming up at the top of the hour, our local expert, Riley Jensen. Stay with us, 975-1280 of the zone.
1: This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do
7: it.
6: James Impey, BYU Center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. Still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago.
9: I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. Of- so ever since day one, he just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and, and has shown why, you know, he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good.
1: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5-1280, The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
0: Moved it up a segment since we had Lincoln Kennedy, but right now it's hot takes or toast. And it's brought to you by Utah. Facial plastics. Are you losing your hair? Come on. No need to lose your hair. It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. All you got to do is text HAIR, H-A-I-R, to 801-960-3137. 960 3137 Get 15% off any hair loss treatment, or you can visit www.utahairmd.com. All right, Yakamami, it's time. The annual awards. Who gets your Turkey of the Year award? Who are some nominees for Turkey of the Year in 2021?
5: I got one as fresh as last night's headlines. Who? Freddy Juarez, former RC He's RSO. a turkey? He'd be a turkey for <laughs> banding in the club midseason to go to their in-conference rival.
0: Uh, how about that, man? That's crazy. That is like uh, he was with RSL, the head coach, obviously, or manager, or whatever they call him. Yeah, And then he goes up to Seattle to be an assistant in the season. I mean, that's that's foreign. Think, I think some people will just look at that, especially Americans I'm speaking of. And those who aren't into soccer, are they go. Oh, what the heck? That just doesn't happen. You don't do that. Uh, we don't. We, we've seen now in colleges where coaches are losing jobs and getting other jobs in sure. season. Or uh, Texas Tech, right? Uh, their coach. Where was he? Where did he come from?
5: Joey McGuire, the new head coach. Yeah, he, Baylor. He's, ba- he's, he's Baylor's Bayco- associate head coach.
0: Right, and so then he moves over in the season. So. That's happening more and more, which was still odd, but I don't think that we've ever seen a head coach resign and become an assistant, and I think that gives soccer a little bit of a bad name because we think, oh, that's a freak sport for those of you who aren't into that. Uh, but it's almost like, the, and then they play each other in the first round and they have the bizarre, one of the more bizarre games I've ever seen in my life with Arcel not scoring or not even attempting a shot, let alone scoring, and then they win in the 6-5 to five penalty kicks deal there, and the kick barely goes in, but it goes in. They win. Ochoa gets a stop. They win. They win the game. They move on. But it's almost like uh, it's an NCAA thing where they'll say, "You know, we don't orchestrate matchups for storylines." And sure enough, you have that storyline, and uh, Arcel comes out with the win. So we got one nominee: Freddie Suarez, Turkey O' Year, Turkey of the Year. Uh, I put it on Facebook. Charlie Brewer, Turkey of the Year. Now, that is really bizarre, too.
5: That is a bizarre of, one, yeah.
0: Yeah, think about that. He comes over. Uh, and I don't know if you knew, but DJ was really impressed with that spring game that he had.
5: I had an inkling of that. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's fun to make fun of Sniggy. He's a good sport. <laughs> what was he? He was like 77 for 77 in that spring game, man. Something beat, to that effect, yeah. Beat Zach Wilson's record in the bowl game. Uh, didn't throw any complete pass. <laughs> Comes over from Houston, or uh, Baylor, I should say. And what did he do? He threw for I think he threw for 457,000 yards at Baylor. I mean, he's just unbelievable at Baylor. And then he starts. Man, they really blew it by starting him. They could be in playoff contention right now. Serious playoff contention. I mean, literally serious playoff contention. If they would have gone with Rising, I don't know that. But that's the beauty of sports: is you can just you can make an argument for that. I can't I can't say that, uh, but you'd think so uh, anyway. Uh, and yeah, and then he quit. He quits, man. Uh, we've got the usuals. Um, LeBron, people just don't like LeBron. He's a lightning rod. He's a punching bag
5: too as well, yeah.
0: Had to sit out last night against the Knicks in the Garden. I'm sure people paid big money to see him play, but he gets the one-game suspension. A lot of debate. Did you see uh, – I didn't see it because it's on during our show, but I saw it afterward. J.J. Redick is now on doing one of their debate things with our guy, Stephen A. Smith. Uh And he said, uh, Reddick said, I don't know if I can believe that you can believe what you're saying. Uh, And he kind of backed Smith into a corner. Then he pulls the I played, you didn't card. And that's great if you want to play that. But I guess you're able to do that if that's all you're going to do is talk about the NBA. And I guess that's all JJ Redick is going to talk about because if you play, if you pull the I played card, well, there's other sports you didn't play, so you got to be quiet then uh, if you want to go that way. But I think that's what they're bringing Redick on to do is to talk back talk basketball so there you go we got some other nom- If you got nominees send them to me we'll hit it again at eight thirty. riley jensen's coming up who should be turkey of the year on this day before thanksgiving uh i'm gonna do my thing where i can look at my twitter uh pk kinahan yach what's yours at Jacob C. Hatch. Yeah, or you can leave it on our app. Uh, you can call, whatever you want to do, get your feedback. Who is, should be nominated for Turkey of the Year? Riley Jensen, he's not a turkey. He's an excellent football analyst, mental performance coach. Coming up next, stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for joining us. Riley Jensen coming up next. A couple things i got to tell you about. Cafe Rio. Who doesn't like Cafe Rio? Come join Unrivaled at the new Cafe Rio city creek location that is on november 30th and it's from 3 to 6 p.m you can get your cafe real favorites now at the city creek center for sure and then also riley jensen i need to tell you that riley jensen is going to be on our smart rain guest hotline Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple, iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. Talking about turkeys of the year, and certainly Riley Jensen is not a turkey of the year, although I am positive he is going to be eating turkey. Is that not true, Riley Jensen?
11: Uh, Most likely. Most likely. I'm going to go join my brother Casey, my brother Crosby. We'll be up in Layton. Probably a little bit of turkey bowl. We all have sons that are finally getting the age where we can do that. And the turkey bowl is big in the Jensen family. I mean, it's huge. (laughs)
0: So, are you going to bring home the uh, hardware, Turkey Bowl MVP?
11: No, no, like I'm going to be all-time center. That's what, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> the Turkey Bowl, the Turkey Bowl for the gentlemen's though is not the competitive like crazy game that like some guys going to do. It's all about the kids. It's all about everybody gets touches, everybody gets a touchdown, everybody gets to feel like they're part of, you know, of winning. So yeah.
0: everybody feels like they're part of winning. That's an interesting concept there because uh, we see this Utah kid, this Peter Costelli, comes in and he's a, what, a four star ranking in California and it's the Tuttle situation all over again. Before the season's over, he doesn't play and he's out the door. Uh, you can speak to this quarterback transfer situation because you've done it. You've spoken about some things that maybe you would have done differently, maybe whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, so how do you feel if you're from a coaching standpoint, how do you get kids to feel a part of the program, especially a quarterback where only one dude plays and the younger guy, it's not his time yet. Or is there anything that can be done to it to keep them
11: engaged? Yeah, it's. i mean it's really hard right i mean the the only thing yeah, i mean so this this one's a hard one for me because i'm not i'm not always sure that i made the right decision and that's not a that's not a cut to utah state right well, like i loved my time at utah state but when you're when you're talking about individuals that like transfer schools it's 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 really hard for me now especially coming from my my career that I do now like what what are we teaching someone if if you if you take your ball and you go home every time something doesn't go your way right and 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 what are you how, what what is the long term thought process to like what you're trying to do if um if every time you face adversity like you you decide that you're going to leave now Look, I wasn't—I wasn't a Costelli kid. I'm not—I'm not a Jackson Dart kid. I'm not a—I'm not a person, you know, that—that that maybe everything that I did, like I—I I feel like I overachieved. So, but these guys—these guys are told from a very young age, and this is where I get a little bit frustrated with the quarterback position. Is I feel like it's—it's it's turning into an AAU version of football. Where they're told from a young age that they're going to the NFL, they're told from a young age that they can that they can play in the NFL if they're in the right spot and if they start in the right place. And now, when they get to the University of Utah and they don't start as a freshman and they see that there's a sophomore that's ahead of them, now they're going, "Oh my gosh, that that could be frustrated, right? Like, like that could be over if I don't go and play somewhere." And so. You know, and I, I didn't mean to throw Jackson Dart into the category of like he's wanting to transfer. What I'm saying is, is, is he's the type of person that has a chance to play professional football. And so to me, it's a little bit confusing on what to tell these guys because <clears throat> they do have the talent, they do have the ability to play in the NFL, but what's better for you resilience-wise, adversity-wise to be able to get there because it means millions of dollars to these kids if they get in the right track and they get on the right place and they're going to play in the NFL. But, you know, Costelli's the kid that got offered in front of Jackson Dart. And I'm not saying Jackson Dart would have gone to the University of Utah. I have no idea for sure. But, but that was the guy that the University of Utah, they, they put their eggs in that basket, you know, saying like this is the guy we want, and now he's gone. And this has happened more than once, and it's just a tough deal. I I don't know what you can say to an 18-year-old kid who thinks he should be playing. I mean, I I don't know. Other than, you know, guys like Coach Witt and and some of these different coaches are going to continue to be old school and just say, hey, look, if you don't like it, hit the transfer portal. (laughs) And they do. Quarterbacks seem to hit the transfer portal when people say that to them.
0: How much too is it other people i.e fathers
11: <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm i'm i have a pretty good career based on fathers right now so um <laughs> there, there's there's a lot of well-meaning people out there that are not doing it right for their kids and i mean look even with um tuddled right like I don't know. I don't know if it was you. I don't know if it was somebody else who told me like, "Oh, we saw Tuttle's dad on the phone after this last game. He's not happy. I guarantee he's going to transfer." And it was within a week that they had transferred. Yeah. And and so it's it's interesting, man. I mean, like I said, this this AAU mentality for quarterbacks, where guys are told that they're going to the pros. And, they're getting screwed if they're not playing as freshmen and they're not yeah i mean it's 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 hard for me to watch because they go around they play in all these 7 on 7 tournaments they play with the best of the best you know and if they're not playing right now you know it's like the world is falling and i'm like man you know it's almost like i need to start telling people you know on the college level the same thing that i tell high school people like what's wrong with your kid being a really, really good high school player and really enjoying that experience? Why do you want to transfer him everywhere? Why do you want to do all this kind of stuff? And and a lot of times I'll turn to the parents and I'll say, so did you win a state championship? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what was your record your senior year as a football player? Oh, we were like five and five. And I'm like, do you love football? And they're like, oh, man, I love football more than anything. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with your kid playing on a seven and four team and being the captain – and building all these relationships and being the best player on that team and maybe not winning a state championship, well, I just want him to have every opportunity. And they have all these excuses, right? But what's wrong with being a really, really good college football player? What's wrong with that? And then seeing where what happens after that. I mean, there's there's people that make really, really good livings and have really good lives who are really good college football players and never sniff the NFL.
0: Yeah. Riley Jensen joining us. Yeah, you talk about uh, I, th- I had heard uh, the fathers. I had heard before Tuttle got there that that's one case, you know, with the involvement. And sure enough, uh, two months into the season, he's gone. Now, I also heard that uh, on the other side of uh, doing it, maybe I, I hate to hesitate the correct way because that implies the other way was the wrong way. And you, your phrase of well-meaning parent Uh, hits home, you know, we think we're doing the right thing, and maybe we're not, but we don't know, and the love is so strong for the kid that we do things that that aren't right, even though we're well-meaning. But the other side, I heard Mike Wilson, Zach Wilson's dad, I've heard through multiple sources that this guy has been the ideal dad as far as he's going to your school, here he is. Go and yep. there's been no communication between coaches and and player or uh, dad. It's like he's over there now. You do what you do, and so that's two examples of one, you know, got involved, and the other, from what I understand, is Mike Wilson has been totally hands off and doesn't say a thing to anybody.
11: Well, and I, I I mean I know Mike really well. I, he he loves his kids as much as any dad could love their kids. Um, and, and he's very, very involved in their lives. He's not involved. It doesn't seem like to me in conversations of transfer. I mean, it is it, like, Hey, we're going to go here and you're and, and we're going to make this decision. We're going to go for it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think that's a compliment to him. I don't know I don't know what the right decision is in every situation. I'm not I'm not professing right. like you said to say that everything is like a clear cut decision. I mean, look you you could look from the outside and say, Well, Riley transferred and he got a chance to play at Utah State and start some games up there and have a really good time. And and yeah, it looks great. But that year also, um, Kevin Federick gets hurt. You know, Paul Schumer doesn't play as well, and Drew Miller was starting. I mean, I, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? I don't know. I don't know that that would have been better for me. I really enjoyed my experience at Utah State, right? I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the right decision was, and so, um, the the best way to do it, I think, is to kind of make a decision before you get somewhere. And the thing that I tell recruits right now is, hey make sure that the school that you're going to if everything went wrong if everything went wrong with that decision would you still enjoy being a student at that at that university would you still enjoy being you know studying what you're studying and being at that school and being around that support system if the coach left if you were hurt if somebody came in and beat you out you know would you still enjoy that place so that so you can take the pressure off of, of Of trying to look every year but look with nil with a free transfer rule now i mean we're just going to see more and more of this it's it's just going to be really really hard to avoid it and you know i've talked to quite a few head coaches in you know the fbs level that have said that the transfer transfer portal has changed everything and they look at the portal first before they look at anything and it's not necessarily because they want to but it's just the way the game's played now. It's free agency for college football.
0: So do you think that, and Riley Jensen joining us, that in recruiting now, uh, it's basically, okay, kids will commit, but that's all it really is. It's Even though you sign it, it it's not a long-term commitment, so to speak. It's just in the short term. Is, is that the way recruiting is going? Well, Yeah, we'll, I'll come there, or yeah, we'll take you here now but we know you could be gone in a year.
11: Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of that way before because I mean, I, I've told the story about Matt Wells talking to a USC kid that was local, you know, and, and I've I've said it on on the air with you guys before. And then he just turned to me and I'm like, man, that kid really likes you. And he goes, yeah, you never know. Right. You never know. And he wasn't being inappropriate in the way that he was talking to the kid. He wasn't, you know, um, but, but he understood that, like, in this day and age, like, kids transfer, and that was a kid that he would love to have at his program at the time. It was at Utah State, right? And coaches are either going to have to recruit their kids every single year, or they're just going to have to get used to the fact that it's, it's a short-term commitment. If he ends up being... um a first or a second string for a stringer for you then then you really want him in the program but if he's not going to be a first or second stringer i think some coaches are glad the kids are transferring i think some kids i think some coaches are going to be glad that there's a kid that they recruited really really hard who's not very good who doesn't have great work ethic and is kind of a cancer to the team if he joins the transfer portal hey man what can I do to support you? <laughs> you know like how <laughs> how can I get you Let, tell me what I need to do? Do you need me to make some phone calls? What do you want me to do i'm I'm happy to help you know, and so help it pack. works both ways, <laughs> you know it works both ways yeah hey, even, high school, even high school coaches talk that way right now, like look, hey, if you don't want to be here, come and talk to me, and we'll help you find a school that is going to be good for you. And when you kind of set that precedent, it, it almost is like reverse psychology, right? Like everybody wants to be there. I remember, I mean, there were a couple of kids when I was coaching at Alta that that were like quarterbacks that wanted to come in and I did everything but tell them that there's no way they'll play. And then we'd show up for like fall camp and they're like, oh, so-and-so's here. And I'm like, what? I told really? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just one of those things where uh, people are going to do what they want to do, and so you can't, you can't like beat yourself up like over oh, we lost this guy or we didn't. Like they're kind of going to do what they want to do, and so the portal opens up a lot of possibilities to coaches.
0: But then you got a kid like Cam Rising, who did he left after a year, and now it looks like he's on top of the world.
11: It, I know, I, dude. You, I mean, I, it's like I started out the conversation. I don't know that the right decision is not to transfer all the time. I don't I don't know that that's the deal. Now, when you're, at, you know, three schools in 5 years like that, that might be a little bit disconcerting and I I did a little bit of a study on like elite 11, which is kind of like you know, you know, every year they pick out the 11 best. And I looked at it and, and something like if I remember correctly my numbers, I'd have to go look at them, but it was something like 47% of the time Elite 11 quarterbacks transfer. Right. 47% of the time. That means one out of every two Elite 11 quarterbacks, it doesn't work out. And they're supposedly the best, you know, 11 quarterbacks in in the whole United States that year, right? And 47% of them are going to transfer. And it was something like another – like 75% of those quarterbacks you'll never hear of on the next level. You only hear about like 25% of the elite 11 quarterbacks that go on to the next level because they transfer or it doesn't work out or he's just not as good as they, as he'd been rated. Right? So you're talking about four quarterbacks out of 11 or three and a half quarterbacks out of 11 that you ever even hear of again after their high school senior season. So it's interesting. It's This whole quarterback thing is really interesting to me.
0: Right, before we let you go, Riley Jensen joining us, give us a breakdown. Uh, who's winning Utah State, uh, Utah, BYU this weekend? Big games for all three schools.
11: I actually think all three of them win. Um, I think BYU's just got to be aware of like letting USC get started or letting them get some confidence against them because they're super athletic and super talented. I think Utah State is going to win against a, a New Mexico team, especially after the way they got beat last week. They're going to feel and, – and really, you know, I was like, oh, great. They're not going to be able to win the Mountain West Conference. But, I mean, you've got Boise State matched up against um, – San Diego State. Against San Diego State, and that, that's an interesting scenario. And I think uh, it's really going to be Air Force or Utah State that are they're going to be representing you know their half of the conference in the conference championship game, and then obviously the University of Utah. I think they're just rolling right now. I think I think they're as good and they can compete with anybody in the country right now. The way they're playing, and I think things look really good for the University of Utah with Cam Rising. I don't care who they have to fill in for or who, what kind of spots they have to fill in in the next couple of years if Cam Rising's around, that's a really good quarterback. And he's he's got some it factor to him that we haven't seen there in a long time. Yeah, I
0: agree. I agree 100%. All right, thanks for coming on. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week.
11: Can't wait. We'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, that's Riley Jensen. He is college football insider mental health performance coach. He knows his stuff, been around our community for a long, long time. Grateful for him coming on each week. We appreciate it. Turkeys of the year, man. Tomorrow's the big day. Who do you got? Stay with us, 975-1280 of the zone.
1: This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do
7: it.
6: James Impey, BYU Center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago.
9: I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, He's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and and has shown why, you know, he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good.
1: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5-1280, The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
0: Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game. Where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game and socializing with friends. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, friends, what are you gonna do? Turkey? Football? Depending on where you are, Northern Utah. It's probably it. What's the weather going to be like? Is it golf? Anybody can get out and golf tomorrow? Oh, I know they've been golfing the, the last couple of days. Let's take a look. It's supposed to be chilly. I'm not sure. It's supposed to be chilly
5: today. I'm currently waiting on weather.com. Maybe uh, some t-
0: folks will get golf.
5: Thursday, a high of 46. It would be a chilly day, but it's supposed to be clear. Uh, yeah,
0: that's probably a little too chilly for me. Yeah,
5: I'm sub 50. I'm out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go in, yeah, 50s, Fifties, uh, no wind, I can handle it. Oh, yeah, I mean, 75 in wind, I don't like it. I was going to say, but,
5: PK, wind period, that's
0: a problem. Yeah, yeah, any form of wind, that uh, that's not fun to play. I like it to be calm and sunny. That's one of the reasons. That, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with baseball as a kid. You know, being back in Jersey and the winter seemed to last forever. Everything lasts forever when you're a kid. And uh, when we finally got good weather, man, I couldn't wait to get outside and just be outside. Loved being outside playing ball, and uh, that's why I romanticized the spring with baseball because I lived it. If you've lived, uh, depending on where you live, like DJ doesn't have that much. Well, he grew up in San Diego. There probably wasn't a whole lot of difference between uh, March and February and April's weather. It was good all year round, basically. Not where I was from. That wasn't the case. And so the idea of being outside was just where it was at for me. So tomorrow's Thanksgiving. What are you going to do? Who's your turkey of the year? Turkeys of the year. You got any nominations? Let us know. We've got Yach putting Freddie Juarez leaving RSL, going to Seattle. And then (laughs) is this good or bad for soccer? You know, I take soccer for what it's worth. It's not my favorite. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't obsess about it. I don't make money off of it. I pay attention to RSL. Don't pay attention that much to the league. Don't pay attention to European soccer. But I feel like I got a decent handle on the local team. Did, uh, as the uh, Gonzaga game got out of hand last night, I did flick over more. And you can just, watching the game, you can just see it. I'm not a soccer expert, although I've spoken about this. The best man at my wedding, my mentor in life, he's deceased now, was a high school soccer coach in Arizona, considering, considered one of the godfathers of high school soccer, helped get it instituted as a sanctioned high school sport. Pablo Mastrione played at a school not too far from him over on the west side of Phoenix. He knows of the coach that I speak of. So, you know, I have a... a, a Decent interest. I'm not a fanatic at all. Not even close. And I'm watching this game. It didn't take an expert to think, man, this team's dominating. But I'm wondering, does it do soccer harm to have a team who literally had no shots on goal win the game in the penalty kick situation? Does that turn people off? For me, I got a kick out of it.
5: It set a record for futility. We all know that.
0: I know, but then they win. Yeah, they win. Is that if you're trying to sell your sport, is that good or bad?
5: I think it goes both ways. So, uh, PK, the closest analogy I could pull for those who may not be soccer fans by and large is the college football world. We hear a lot about Ben don't break on defense. Right. Well, last night was the, quite possibly the ultimate display of bend don't break you just defend with your life on the line and you come through in sudden death on penalty kicks and win it
0: okay but my argument against that is that bend don't break i get that defensively but when you have the ball i know you're gotta, trying to score
5: yeah, exactly you've got you got to try and do something and yeah the futility of zero shots literally zero shots yeah. is yeah. So.
0: I See, I don't think that that does well, bodes well for soccer to draw new fans. But I don't think you're going to draw new fans anyway. I think those who are into it are into it, and those who aren't, aren't. So there's no point in trying to publicize it and thinking, oh, this is great. Did you see this? Because those who are interested are going to be interested, and those who aren't. It's like all this political stuff. We can write all these columns and, and speak all these words and preach all we want. And the media has turned into a bunch of preachers now, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. And what's the point? You're not converting anybody. No one's thinking, oh, yeah, I listen to Tucker Carlson or whoever. I'm just going to control my line of thinking and change it now. And I was left, but now I'm right. Or vice versa, whomever, whatever, whatever. Pick whoever is on your left side. And they get on there, and it's all a bunch of crap because all they do, they're trying to make money. So pre- everybody's preaching to the choir. So no one's going to be converted. So that's what, what's the point of preaching anything? Anything political, stop it. Because everyone's mind is already made up already. It's the same thing here. If you didn't like soccer before, you probably don't like it now. And if you did, you thought, oh, man, that was great strategy by Pablo. And they got out of there with the win, and that's all that matters. And they were celebrating in the locker room, and that's where it's at. And other people are thinking, PK, shut the crap up about soccer. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But it is fresh in the news. Turkeys of the year. Put it up on Facebook. You got any suggestions? Okay. Who are your turkeys of the year? I got, we got one for you. Go ahead.
5: How about Terrence Mann from the Los Angeles Clippers?
0: Terrence, he's a turkey? How about the Jazz for standing around and watching there's, this dude? There's an
5: argument to both sides, yes. Make but he has, all
0: these three-point shots. as a career and, night
5: and knocks the Jazz out.
0: Yeah. And then it's nobody's fault? Oh, I disagree completely. It's everybody's fault. I never single out anybody individually, but I believe it's everybody's fault and it's everybody's to celebrate and get credit when you win from the greatest player right down to the bench guys. It doesn't matter. I mean, they get different levels of credit and different levels of blame, but I put everybody in the same pot. I'm a firm believer of win as a team, lose as a team. Don't necessarily care what the sport is unless it's tennis or wrestling or something like golf or what like that, and it's not a Ryder Cup competition. Uh, Once you get into the team aspect, everybody contributes one way or the other to one degree or another. So uh, I think the Jazz were turkeys blowing that lead there in that second round, and it stung. It's stung, and the only way they're going to erase that is get to the postseason. What's interesting about that is now you got a little bit of a rep of a pretty good regular season team, but what do you do in the postseason? And if you go out in the first or second round again this spring and summer, it's going to resurface again, and that's going to be their their tag. Uh, and hopefully not. You know, I want him to win. I'm not a hardcore fan, but I want him to win for work purposes, and I'd love to see Joe get an NBA uh, title to go along with. Uh, he got the gold medal last summer. No doubt, and I think it would be great for the community, all you passionate jazz fans, all my neighbors and friends that I've accumulated over the years. I get it. You're way into your team, and I would love to see you win, just like I would love to see Utah fans experience the Rose Bowl Uh, like I did. I was there in 1987 as a youngster, and watching the Sun Devils run out on the field was awesome. They've only been there twice and don't look like they're going to be there anytime soon. How about Turkey of the Year? How about ASU and their coaching staff? i got to put them on that list, don't I? Sure, yeah. Yeah.
5: Recruiting violations that we haven't seen in quite some time. Right.
0: right. Well, there was no pandemic, so they couldn't uh, recruit then, but they did, uh, apparently – I'm not so hung up on that because I think that when once you go down that road, that's like uh, standing on the side of a freeway and everybody's speeding and you isolate one kid, one guy. I guess if he's going 120 and the others are going 85 and a 70, uh, you know, there's variances of breaking the law, I guess. So the 120 is worse. But recruiting in the pandemic, uh huh. I know it was against the rules. That's just me. I'm not a big rule guy on that because I've been exposed to so much cheating. Coaches have told me so much over the years. I'm a cynical guy to begin with. Well, I heighten the level of cynicism when it comes to that stuff because all the stuff that I've heard. Guys that are still coaching today that are recognized as honorable uh, with high integrity, and coaches tell me about those guys and what they're doing and I've been privy to so much information that nothing really amazes me or makes me even roll my eyes now, to tell you the truth. It's a dirty, dirty biz all the way through. But the Devils are gonna get punished, obviously they're gonna get punished. They wouldn't have suspended three assistant coaches, but Ray Anderson, the athletic director, firing Todd Graham, paid him like twelve million to go away, and Herm Edwards is sixteen and fourteen in conference play. Come on. And and you're seven off false start penalties, the other night. Here we are in November, and you still can't stay on side. Just watch the friggin' ball, don't move. I think he's got to go. I think they got to make a change there. So I put him the turkey of the year, and all these athletic directors I put in there firing these guys, waiting, giving them extensions. Dan Mullen didn't he just get an extension six months ago?
5: He did. Yep. What what the heck? And now you're gonna pay
0: him to go away? Yeah. All these coaches that are getting all this money to go away. Colorado paid McIntyre a few years back, like $10 million. How about Michigan State giving Mel Tucker all that money, and they're down 49 to nothing at <laughs> halftime against <gets> Ohio State? <laughs> oh, my goodness Congrats, gracious. guys. Yeah. <laughs> they throw around such an inordinate amount of money. It's funny because... BYU's not going to do that. BYU has it right, but yet their fan base is furious that BYU has it right because I can tell you right now, I am nervous that Kalani Satake and some of his guys are going to leave. I'm nervous. I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know that he's got an offer, but I can tell you right now, I am nervous. The stuff that I'm hearing makes me nervous. Even though BYU may be doing it the right way, but it ended up being the wrong way. If everyone's fan base, and it's not their money, go ahead and pay it. Because they want to win. They desperately want to win. Everybody wants to win at such a high level.
5: So if he does leave, do we make BYU administration turkey of
0: the year? I'm not sure, because I don't know how high it goes up. Okay. You know, what, what's the definition of BYU administration? Uh, you know, to what the board of trustees, how many folks beyond the people who go to work on the campus every day are involved. That's the problem there is you have so many people. And when you get people involved that they are given responsibility, but they really don't have any expertise in the area of the responsibility that they have. And we've seen that. We've seen that in, in work lives of people who just, they don't know what they're talking about, but yet someone anointed them to have responsibility over something, and away you go. Uh, and I'm sure we've all felt that in whatever jobs we've had. I'm not singling out anybody. I'm speaking generally, but that's a concern there. So, And I've, I'm hearing some commit uh, kids are committing, but they're committing to the coaches, meaning, yeah, if you're there, I'm coming there. If you're not there, I'm not going there. That's going on as we speak. Uh, they got to get this cleared up. And I have confidence that they will get it cleared up. And I have confidence that they will stay, the staff, in largely intact. You're never going to necessarily have everybody all the time because co- assistant coaches move left and right constantly. It's just the nature of the business. So, turkey of the years. Who's you got on this day before Thanksgiving? Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: Ready, ready, ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at 1 with the postgame show immediately following the game. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, Friends, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: It's Wednesday, and what does that mean? Win tickets Wednesday. Right now, we've got one Friday. You win tickets, you'll see Black Label Society. It is Friday. That's on the 26th at the Complex, which is 536 West 100 South right there in Salt Lake. For all ages, Black Label Society is bringing their Doom Trooping over North America tour to the Complex on Friday, November 26th. With special guests, obituary and prong, come see ex-Ozzy Osbourne guitarist Zach Wilde bring his unique brand of rock to Salt Lake City. Tickets available at A. AXS.com, AXS.com, and thecomplex.com, sponsored by Live Nation. So call now. You got an opportunity to win. Is that true, Yock?
5: Yep, we got a pair of tickets to that show for you. Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663.
0: There you go. Get an opportunity to win. If that's your kind of music, you'll have a good time. I've seen shows over there. It's a great venue, uh, an opportunity to see that. All right, we've been talking about, with Thanksgiving being tomorrow, uh, turkeys of the year for sure, who should be nominated. Now, I understand that uh, Samson Nakua came on on Monday, and he was talking about BYU, and some, uh, you know, he likes it there. He felt like it's the best place for him. All right, spent four years at Utah, right? Because I think he redshirted a year. And then he goes down to Provo. And he came on our show, and he said that uh, something along the lines of he enjoyed Utah, but he feels BYU's a better spot. I'm paraphrasing very loosely. And then some Ute fans go after him on Twitter. Shut up. Just shut up. And I guess he felt like he needed to clarify. Well, no, Samson, you didn't need to clarify because you did nothing wrong. You said nothing wrong. People, really? Come on. Whoever went after him at Twitter, and I know some of you went after me. I get it. And I baited him. I don't even remember saying anything or who asked any questions along those lines. That's not what it's about. Oh, my gosh. So if you do anything at any player on Twitter and voice your stupid you know what opinion you are a turkey stop stop these kids are that's just what they are they're kids get off it knock it off don't do it anymore so i nominate you if you went at him you can come after me all you want because uh, great that's what i'm here for man and what the hell you ain't going to do anything to me either I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm locked up. <laughs> I'm going nowhere. <laughs> I'm going to be here Friday. I will be here Monday. Uh, so that, that ship has long since sailed, man. Obviously, we've gone through tons of changes, and I'm still here. I'm the cockroach that you can't kill. DJ and I, you can't get rid of us. <laughs> so please stop. Stop. Just don't go after college players. And he's speaking, and he's he loves your team, and he loved his time there, but he wanted to be with his brother down in Provo. Let it be. Come on. How about this? Danny Cannell putting out Notre Dame should call up BYU and play on conference, uh, uh, conference championship weekend. Uh, they'll have tough matches. Now that's going to work against Notre Dame. And trying them to get in, now that won't happen. It'd be cool if they did have an independent uh, game. Yeah, I don't know why BYU and Notre Dame didn't think of that during all this time. Why they didn't think about playing on that Saturday, or Friday in this case. Pac-12 obviously goes Friday, but they would go Saturday. Eh, It's too late now. They're playing next year in October in Vegas. And then the following year, the Cougars will go into the conference. But I wonder if they could have thought about that, if they could have pulled that off, doing that for the last several years, having that 13th game. Obviously, BYU would have been up for it. Uh, Notre Dame, and I don't know if they would want to come to Provo or what, or if they could have had it at a neutral site like they do now in the conference title games. That would have been way cool. Uh, And actually could have helped both of them. Could help but this year, especially, with BYU doing as well as they have and being nationally ranked. That would be uh, a little bit of a power boost for whoever wins that game. BYU trying to move up a little bit more to see if they can get into New Year's Day 6. Notre Dame trying to move up, overcome that loss at home to Cincinnati to see if they could be one of the four teams in the playoff. Yeah. It's too bad that couldn't have happened. Because that, that would that would take, get, some, get some attention. Cougars would have to be good, obviously, but that would definitely get some attention. But it's not going to happen. It's too bad next week that those teams won't be playing because there's a heightened focus on college football next week. I mean, there is every week, but next week especially, that's what's been a benefit. And the Cougars would have to wait it out another year, and then they get the opportunity to uh, maybe play in a game like that. That would be cool, too, if they can do that. For those who get the opportunity to participate in it, I think it's uh, something that you know we all look forward to. We're certainly going to be all eyes. At least I think, in our community, next Wednesday when the next Wednesday we're going to come up with Wednesday next week. I meant next Friday in Las Vegas when the University of Utah is going to be playing. Not sure who they're going to be playing. I hope they're going to be playing the Oregon Ducks, to get the Pac-12, get its uh, best bang for the buck that it can be. And it would be cool. How about Oregon? How about does Oregon? Oregon sucks at sports now. How cool is that? They get worked in football. Last week they got worked in basketball. And then they lose to the West Coast Conference last night. St. Mary's beats them. The West Coast Conference, it's a power now. It's a power just when BYU's leaving. How about that? All right, Utah football coming up next. We're going to talk to the Boulder Daily Camera beat writer for the Colorado Buffaloes. Stay with us right around the corner next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell this Friday at the warehouse from 3 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind, y'all. Boom. There you go. All right, Brian Howell is joining us now. He's joining us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333, 877 346 Thirty three thirty three. Joining us now is Brian Howell, Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. Brian, here we are. The rivalry is back. It's this time of year. Are you fired up or what?
6: (laughs) Rumble in the Rockies or whatever they call it, right? (laughs) Yeah, this manufactured rivalry. I guess I'm fired up, uh, you know, for. You know, Utah fans. I know there's a lot to look forward to for Colorado fans. It's um, you know, it's basketball season at this point. So I guess we're looking forward to kind of turning the page after this one.
0: You know, last year was a crazy situation with the pandemic, and the Buffaloes were the big surprise. You know, with uh, winning the games that they won. Um, I'm wondering if you think this season was derailed before the season. When, for whatever reason, and I'm not sure, their quarterback transfers to Oregon State, and now he doesn't play,,
6: I think it's more than that. I mean, he transfers, but then also they brought in a transfer last winter from Tennessee jt. Shrout, yeah. that you know, from a lot of people I've heard from that got to watch practice, would have been the guy. and you know it was characterized to me that this staff was devastated when he went down with a knee injury in the middle of August. so um, you know it's it's possible Brendan Lewis would have been their third-string guy this year. I mean, he might have yeah. been the guy, but at, at, at worst, you would have had a shorter leash on Brendan Lewis early in the season when things went south offensively. And you could have gone you know, with another option where they just didn't have another option.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, where it boils down to offensively. They haven't been very good at all, and I think it starts with the quarterback position. Although, when I look at the stats, 27 sacks that's a lot uh, how I don't want to it's harsh to say but how bad's the offensive line
6: yeah it, it's been bad I mean it, it's been bad enough that uh, a few weeks ago Carl Dwell fired the offensive line coach and that's the first time maybe in history from people I've talked to that CU's ever fired a position coach in the middle of the season so uh, you know it, it's been bad I mean that, that group has, has not played very well and you know Brendan Lewis has had his ups and downs he's a freshman and you know he's had his struggles but The offensive line has just not been good, and you know it's affected the run game, the passing game, and you know the the offense just in general, outside of a few little spurts and you know a a nice about nine quarter stretch a few games ago. um, This offense has just not been very good most of the season.
0: Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us, yeah, because I thought that as I, as we 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 broadcast every day or every year from Pac-12 Media Day. And Darrell is such a likable dude that you, you'd like to see him succeed. Uh, but I thought, man, they're, they're just going to be in trouble uh, at, at this point here. Uh, I didn't know that they could recreate what they had last year. But I thought they'd have more success running the ball with Broussard and, and Fontenot figuring. I could have made a case going into the season that the combination of those two guys would give them the best one-two punch on the ground in the conference and it hasn't worked out to the level. I and mean, Broussard, it's not like he's had a bad season, but I, I figured one of these guys would be a 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know how much of it's a knock on those guys. How much of it a knock is it on the passing game isn't prolific so they can stack the box or the offensive line, or in your idea, is it a combination of everything?
6: I think it's a combination of everything, and, and you're right about that duo. And you the know, beginning of the season, I would have thrown in a shot Clayton, who was a four-star recruit in twenty twenty. I mean I thought the trio was gonna be very good this season and a shot ended up being kind of a non factor got hurt and, and it was redshirting. So uh yeah, it hasn't been great, but there's been times where Jared Crussard and Alex Fontener both looked fantastic and they'll they'll break off a run where you're like, okay, wow, they're they're not hurt. <laughs> they they've still got the ability. They, they found a hole right there, but it just hasn't been consistent and you know, especially early in the season when Brennan Lewis just you know, wasn't hitting receivers and couldn't throw. It started with kind of the Minnesota game where um, the Gophers just said, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to let you beat us with the run. They stacked the box and see you couldn't do anything that day. They ended up with like 63 yards of offense. So that's kind of been a theme that uh, teams have used most of the season. And luckily for the Buffs, Brendan Lewis has played well and kind of backed teams off a little bit uh, in the second half of the season.
0: Tell us about the injuries on defense because I understand there's been a few
6: yeah, there's been quite a few. I mean, Nate Lehman, um, who, you know, if you fans remember, you know, he tore his Achilles against the Utes, uh, you know, last, last year's year. game. He yeah. came back, had you know, had a phenomenal recovery. and was unbelievable the first seven games, but then injured his shoulder at Cal. He's missed the last four games. And, you know, they keep saying hey, there's a shot he'll play. I'd be surprised if he plays this week. And they also lost a couple of, uh, outside linebackers. I mean, last week, they're – Started their second starting outside of linebacker was basically their fifth-string guy who didn't even see the field until two weeks ago. So um, they're, they're a little depleted there. They've got sometimes three true freshmen in the secondary that are playing at once. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little depleted on the defensive side, and um, that's happened throughout the season. They were pretty good defensively the first, I would say, six, seven games. And then ever since Landman and Guy Thomas, one of their outside linebackers, went out, uh, they've just really struggled.
0: Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. So when you look at hope, you know, we don't put much hope in beating the Utes this week, obviously, but going forward, uh, as you're trying to look for some hope with this team, is it in the youth? Where Where is it exactly? Yeah,
6: I, I think it is in the youth. I mean, that, that's the one positive thing is there's a lot of young guys that they that they believe have a lot of talent that are now getting some snaps, and it sort of reminds me of the 2013 Buffs who were not very good, but they played a ton of freshmen. And that's the group that in 2016 as seniors were basically a bunch of four-year starters that won the South title. So uh, this sort of reminds me of that. We'll see if that progresses you know, over the next couple of seasons into that. But you know, the hope is with that youth. And then also the Buffs have got to have a really good offseason in the transfer portal. They've got to get some reinforcements in a lot of different areas. How much have they mind that? Quite a bit. I think that'll be a big part of what they do, at least in the early going of Darrell's tenure. I think that they're, they need some quick fixes in a lot of spots.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm... I, I guess that's probably, if your team isn't good enough where it's at right now, I'm figuring the idea is, well, let's just go to the transfer portal then uh, and... You know, you would think with Darrell's been around, coach in various parts of the country, that he might have some contacts, and that might be—I don't know if it's an easy way, but it might be a potential way to get this program. I, I don't know. What, what do you think is a realistic uh, uh, position for this program? Uh, bowl eligibility, or actually contending to win the South?
6: I think the first step is bowl eligibility, and, and you're right, it's not an easy fix. I mean, they got six transfers this last year, and not one of them ended up being a, a starter this year, so um, it, they've got to do better at that portal, but yeah, I do think that if they have a you know a, a good offseason in the transfer portal, that really bowl eligibility is the issue for this team, I and mean, they've got to get there. They've only made two bowl games, I think, in 17 years, or three bowl games, I think it is, so... Uh, they've got to get there. They've never been to back-to-back bowl games in that period, and that's kind of the next goal you know, for this program is just get six wins for a couple seasons in a row and, and try to build on that, and then eventually maybe you can contend for the South title.
0: Brian Howell with the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. All right, you brought up basketball, 5-1, and one, Tad Ball's usually got a pretty good program. They've got some players there, Big Evan Bate, uh, Batty's back, some other guys, Walker, uh, what are you looking at this season as far as them being a contender? Because I think they can they can be.
6: Yeah, I think they can be. They they just played out in the Virgin Islands this week and did not have a very good tournament. They went two and one, uh, but you know, really they were kind of expected to get to the championship game and play against Colorado State, and they ended up losing the first game and barely won the next two. So um, it's kind of a shaky five and one start, but that's a pretty good team that. You know they have a history of not doing well um, in tropical tournaments, so you know maybe it's just getting out of the tropics that'll help them. But there's a lot of talent. I think they just got to grow together. I think that that's a team that by March and when you get to Vegas for the tournament, they could be really tough to contend with.
0: So they don't do well in tropics because that was uh, because what was it a couple years back uh, on graduation commencement ceremonies? It snowed.
6: Yeah, that's right. I think it was uh, 2019 it might have been. So, yeah, uh, it would be a good thing if they can get back to cold weather. They, they're really good in Boulder, and uh, you know they, they have a, a history of pulling off a few wins here and there on the road in the Pac-12. So um, I think this team is talented enough. I'm not sure if they'll contend for the, the Pac-12 title. I think UCLA and maybe Arizona uh, put themselves uh, near the top of that. But I do think they can be a top-four team in the Pac-12. Okay, contend for an NCAA berth then. Yes, I think I think they can do that.
0: All right. Uh, what is your thought as far as uh, how ugly will it get on Friday?
6: Ooh, I I almost think that Utah could name its score. I mean, if they show up and and you know play motivated. I mean, the one thing I I look at this game and say, all right, maybe Colorado has a shot in that Utah really has nothing to play for other than just its senior day, but. Um, they're not moving anywhere in the standings or, you know, they can't contend for a national title. They already won the South. And maybe they're looking forward to uh, next week. So that's probably CU's only hope is that Utah's doing that. Otherwise, I think, I mean, the youth have just pounded the bus the last few years. And I think that this is, you know, really maybe the worst uh, CU team that we've seen in the last four or five years. So I think the youth could almost name their score.
0: All right, Brian, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it.
6: You bet. Thanks, guys.
0: Okay, that's uh, Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera giving us a lowdown on the Colorado Buffaloes. What a program, man. Two, Two bowl games in 17 years and you only need six wins? Yikes, man. They have been down for so long. And here are the Utes. It's not a question of bowl eligibility, that question that that's been answered a long time ago how good are you going to be you're going to contend for the south you're going to contend for the conference title you're going to contend for the rose bowl you're going to contend for the playoff i already got some youth fans telling me next year there's no way kyle can retire because next year they're going to be contending for the playoff youth fans you buying that i mean you got so many young guys we'll, we'll have to see who decides to go to the NFL? Now, Utah has not had a lot of guys go to the NFL early. They end up, a lot of them end up staying. And Marcus Williams is safety a few years back. I certainly think Lloyd and Ford will go. Uh, I, th- I would think it's in their best interest to go, to go make money. I mean, what are they going to do now at this point? What do they, what do they hope to accomplish and a lot of speculation on Kyle's retirement uh, burned out to my neighbor the other day. Man, you could see it in the game the other night. I don't see it as much. I don't see it as much this year. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. But I think at this point, you know, you can plan on it or think on it. This is what I'm thinking about doing but uh, till you get right down to the time to make the decision, I think that's when it matters. Uh, so at this point, you know, is he is he year to year? Uh, maybe. But what does that mean? I mean, really, in a sense, uh, who is it? I mean, it's a high, high stress job. You've got to devote so much time to it. Uh, particularly, you know, it's not, a, it's not as easy for these guys. Let's say some of the higher profile. You know, we had Norm Chow on our radio for a few years after he retired, and he was talking about how he was at SC. And SC, when it came to recruiting, it was about evaluating rather than finding the gem and developing. You just had to evaluate and decide, is this player good enough to be in our program? So maybe recruiting is easier there. Uh, and for Utah... Uh, you know, we got a lot of good players in our state, but you've got to get players out of state to come into your program, and and it really is a full-time job. I mean, it, it, I don't know that you're ever off. When you listen to these coaches talk about recruiting, and recruiting is an everyday deal, well, it's not about just during the season and during a recruiting period, because it never stops. So you can understand if someone has been doing it that long, 62 years of age, my own personal belief, I don't know this. He hasn't told me this by any stretch, so I'm not giving any inside information here. But I think he's your coach next year, and, and then we'll see where he's at after that. You know, go go from there. But these are good times right now for you of you folks, so enjoy it. I imagine many of you will. I'm saying twenty to 25,000 next week in Las Vegas. What do you think? They're going to have that many? Because I know there's some people who bought tickets because tickets were available before the Utes clinched. So I don't know if the the Utes will have a figure on that, uh, be able to say, well, we sold X amount of tickets. Well, they actually sold more, whatever their allotment is, maybe. I think there's going to be a great showing. It's a great opportunity. I think they're going to win that game, and I do think they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. Probably a lot of me is saying uh, that because I want it to happen. It'll be fun for us to cover. I've covered the Fiesta Bowl. I covered the Sugar Bowl. So why not the Rose Bowl, man? Uh, I've done it before, but not not here locally. All right, stay with us. We'll get you caught up on what you may have missed. Coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: The new Zone lineup is here up, up, with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 90. 751280 The Zone. Powered by KSLsports.com. So,
0: the 9 o'clock Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. Lee's Heating and Air, give them a call. There you go. Wow, man. What went on? What is catching you up to date? How about this, man? Gonzaga just punking UC Los Angeles. Number one versus number two. Number one wins by 20. And it really was never a competitive game after the first few minutes. Isn't it funny, man? BYU, year after next, is going to go into a much better basketball league and the Big 12 than the West Coast, right? We all agree with that. But the funny thing is they may have a better chance of winning the league than they've ever had in the West Coast Conference because Gonzaga is the ultimate beast. Man, they looked awesome. Hey, Timmy's a candidate for player of the year. Holmgren, seven-footer, dribbling behind the back, going in for a dunk, shooting threes, blocking shots. Skinny is all get-out, but he can play. Nimhard, a seasoned veteran. This team is loaded again. They got Duke coming up at the end of the week, and they played the number two team. They played the number 12 team in Texas, beat them by double digits, beat the Bruins by 20. Wow. Very, very impressive win there. Lakers go into the Garden without LeBron and get beat. Can we take any pleasure in seeing the Lakers struggle? I think you do. I'm pretty sure you do. In fact, I know you do. <laughs> and then, how about it? How about the soccer game? You soccer people, RSL. I'm not a big-time soccer guy. I don't watch a lot of soccer on television. I watch the game, playoff game. I follow the local team. I feel it's part of the job. Probably I do it. I'd say maybe about 80% out of duty versus uh, 20% enjoyment. I'm not going to lie. Don't follow the league that much. Don't follow European soccer, but follow the locals. They don't score. They don't even take a shot. And they win. Is that crazy or what? They win in penalty kicks six to five. Glad's kick gets deflected a little but goes in. And now they play Sporting Kansas City. I used to make fun of that at the commercials. We hate them. They hate us. And they got them Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. I mean, Pablo, their interim manager, went to my high school, so I'm rooting for him. Love to see him do well. Seems like a good dude, the times we've had him on. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at at this stage of my life, going and uh, rooting for people who are good people. And if you're a good person and I hear you're a good person, I'm rooting for you. That's where uh, I'm pretty much at. Did we get that good person? Is he ready, Yuck? All right. Joining us now, special guest, all the way from the south of France, joining the beautiful weather now. <laughs> south of France, <laughs> from Portland. Well, this will shock you, but it's cloudy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Joining us now from his beachfront estate in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, if only you were right. Where it is in the great. early morning hours. His snig diggity ding dang dog. <laughs> David James the fourth. (laughs) Oh man. So I watched the game. (laughs) Yeah, I watched the game last night, right? And and so I'm watching the basketball game. Couldn't have been more impressed with Gonzaga. They're controlling the game. Up twenty at halftime. Pretty much the whole time. They treated UCLA like UCLA was
3: some team that you, you truck in from yeah. the 28th best conference in the country and you just drill them.
0: Yeah. Well, it was. It was the Pac-12. I get your point.
5: Hey, <laughs>
0: <laughs> What a night, man, for the West Coast. They beat two Pac-12 teams. Isn't it sweet? Oregon sucks now in sports. They lose to St. Mary's. They get hammered in football by the Utes. They get hammered in basketball by the Cougars. Life is suddenly a lot better than it was.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> Phil Knight is like, what am I writing <laughs> these checks for? You guys can lose without my money. <laughs> <laughs> I was loving it, man. Oh, man, I know yeah. you were. But you're yeah. right about the Cougars. They're going to move into a much better league, and they are going to have a much better chance to win the league. Yeah. How I know. What chance do they have? A, a, Beating Gonzaga and winning the
8: league.
0: Well, over the it, course of the season, zero. Maybe they get in a one game deal in, in the, tournament. the tournament, and shots don't fall. You know, in a one game, because they have beaten Gonzaga a couple of right. times at least, right? More than that, and they, you know, Mark Pope's first year was just about as good as it can get when they had that environment there and they won that ball game. But I don't think over the, when you're playing. Double digit conference games. I uh, I think that's a true test in the regular season. So maybe in a one game basis, but we haven't seen it yet. I know. I know. And and the
3: and the Big Twelve is ridiculously good. I mean, I I just saw the rankings, you know, it's early in the year, but they already the numbers say that they're the number one conference right. in the country already. So it's it's gonna be a really good league. And we can sit here and say you can win it, but you could also finish fifth. And be a pretty good team. So,
0: Well, that's the thing. That's what I remember Chris Hill told me about when uh, the other sports were going into the Pac-12. He said, now, we may never win the league in some of these sports, uh, particularly in some of the women's sports, but our chances of getting in the NCAA tournament might be better because yep. the league gets so much respect. In whether it's softball, basketball, volleyball, soccer, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. particularly in the women's sports I'm speaking of, that the league is so deep because that's where they get off on all their titles and a large portion of them uh, winning these other sports that they are so successful at that you can be uh, maybe record isn't as good, but you're going to get in the tournament, which is you know the ultimate goal is to yep. get in the tournament. And so I think that's what BYU, even if they don't win – they can shoot for that because you look at Oklahoma last year, I think they finished eighth and they got in, right? that That's awesome if you're sending eight out of the 12 going to the league, or right? last year was eight out of the 10, obviously. Uh, so their chances of getting to the tournament may increase, although they're pretty good in the West Coast Conference. But I also think that you know we'll see going forward, too, to see what he does with recruiting because I think it's going to open up some Doors because I know I know this because I know he told the folks at BYU uh, I I lost this player this player and this player because we're in the West Coast Conference he may never be mm-hmm. able to admit that polit- uh, publicly but oh. I know that's the case and so maybe they stand while well, they definitely stand a much better chance of getting those types of players whether they get them or not remains to be seen but their odds go up so maybe that will allow them to co- uh, compete I'm excited for that when they get to that point. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: With all these transfers, you know, you just you, you don't know. It's it's so crazy, and and the transfer portal is only going to get bigger. And Kyle Whittingham was talking about that at his Monday press conference. He said, "Whatever you've seen from the transfer portal, it's going to be it's going to be crazier now." And well, I all think these it's coaches getting fired or just firing yeah. up the football version of the portal to new record levels because they are going to be kids who are like, well, I had a tie with this coach, you know, this new system. Is it going to help me? And, and more kids are going to be moving.
0: I think it should be like Utah high school sports. Everybody gets in the playoffs. Just assume that you don't have to enter your name in the potential portal now. You're automatically in it. So we don't have to have Yachem. <laughs> with his secret sources mining that thing 15 hours a day. Everyone's in it. <laughs> you just automatically go in it. Everybody, Everybody's a free agent every year.
7: Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so you don't definitely
3: something it. to be said, though, for the the players who stay. You look at uh, what Bernard's done at running back for the U and uh, what he might be able to do again next year, and I'm sure they'll try to bring in more guys to compete with him. But
0: Yeah, but how do you know if he didn't go to San Diego State? He's not a 1,500-yard rusher.
3: Well, I mean, you can't know for sure. You make right. that argument. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, I just picked them because they've been a good group. Sure. Cam Rising attack. stayed in the program. Quarterback's coming and going all the time. You can't even keep track. How about Costelli already out the door? I didn't even bother to yeah. get to learn his name. I know, I he was like know. the text line. Why, did I, why would I get to learn the text line number when it was <laughs> going to be taken away from us? You Same thing Costelli with
3: this just kid. Says, well, Cam Rising's the guy again next year. i got to go find somebody to play.
0: Yeah, but he, when he committed, he knew that Cam Rising was in the program. Yeah. But now he's seen him play, and he's locked it down. So what are you going to do? Which Which programs suck? Right. Is that where we're at?
3: Yeah. <laughs> or I guess a good team that doesn't have anybody. But see, then you think, well, they could take two or three guys out of the portal. I mean, they take you, and you're there, and then a week later they take somebody else. Because you got to be two quarterbacks deep. Most teams
0: have Minimally. quarterback injuries. Minimally, right? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. But I don't know what you do. What is he supposed to do, Kyle? Don't recruit these kids out of California. I mean, I'm just picking California. That's sort of well, random. That's where they come from. Yeah.
3: No, you got to get the. You got to go out and get the best players and hope they stick. But if they go, they go, and you just go get another one. I mean, this is. I, I don't know what else there is to do. You know. We don't know exactly we're not as Morgan said, we're not in the building at 5:30, so we don't know what happened behind closed doors, and you know when is there conflict and who has trust and who lacks trust? and we I mean, can go down on a whole list of reasons that people are happy or unhappy where they're at. Um, but I think if you're a quarterback in the Utah program, you have to be thinking, I've got to get to second on the depth chart. There are so many injuries. If I get to second, there's a good chance I'll get a chance. When I get my chance, i got to take it.
11: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the way of the world. So I wanted yep. to hit you up on the soccer. So I'm watching uh, the game, right? Yeah. No offense whatsoever. I mean, pathetic right. offense. But yeah. yet they still win. And that's good for them. I was rooting for the win, and it was it was yeah. such a bizarre game that the yep. bizarreness of it entertained me in a right. sense. Uh yeah. Now, you're a soccer guy. Uh, I'm quasi. uh, What do you think it does for soccer guys, or or for the sport of soccer, for people who are on the fence, that a team that literally has zero offense, zero offense,
3: can win? It's obviously not good, but it's also a a one-in-a-thousand game. Um, You know, the future of the sport and making it more popular doesn't hang on that. But do I think that makes it more popular? No. They knocked out a name brand team that's got multiple multi million dollar attacking players that plays really exciting soccer and plays it in a full stadium. You know, they play in front of 30 or 40,000 people. If they'd been deep in the playoffs, it probably would have been a bigger crowd been up there for regular season games, they had fifty five thousand. So no, I don't think that one individual game helps sell the sport anywhere except inside the RSL fan base and it helps a lot there. But that's you know, that's a drop in the bucket for what Major League Soccer is trying to do. So you knew it was going to be a problem when the uh, social media stuff went up. Albert Rusnak went on social media right before the game and said, I'm not with the you know, I'm I'm with the guys in spirit, but I'm not there. I've tested positive with COVID. I hope to be back as soon as possible. Because He's the guy who creates chances. They track that stat, and he is the guy who makes RSL's attack go. He's missed just a handful of games over his career here, and it doesn't usually go well when he's not there. And now it's a playoff game, and you're on the road, and it went spectacularly poorly. I mean, I'm shocked they didn't have a single shot. Did I know their attack was going to be a lot weaker? Absolutely. Absolutely it's going to be a lot weaker. But to think that they couldn't uh, hit on one counterattack, you know, one time and get off a shot. Not even a shot on goal. Just get off a shot. It could be high. It could be wide. But get off a shot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre world. It's, it's incredible that that happened. And the whole karma thing that they did it against Freddie Juarez, who left in midseason and went up there left as a head coach to be an assistant, which never happens. And the GM – uh, former GM Garth Lagerwey and former GM Craig Weibel were up there. The guy who had the uh, penalty saved, who took the sixth one for Seattle, Kellen Rowe, he was in New England for a long time, Is with RSL I think for only half a season a couple of years ago. But he's a former RSL guy and he gets saved. And then the ball, off the keeper's hands, Justin Glad shot to win it, off the keeper's hands, off one post, across the mouth of goal, off the other post and in. I mean, who's right in this stuff?
0: Oh, I, 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 I assume the the folks who were assigned to cover the game for their publication. Oh, nice. Way to
3: take me literally. Thank
0: you. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's writing
3: this stuff? Well, let's see. The trivia, it might have been Alex J.R. and then for the D-News, change it.
0: You, you <laughs> In asked. Seattle, it would have been... <laughs> <laughs> now, what would it be without I mean the the day before Thanksgiving, I get a text or tweet that says PK is the worst with like four or five O's. It can't just be the worst with 1 o traditional spelling. It's got to be <laughs> like four or five extra O's. See this doesn't make any sense and, and anytime there's
3: something like this there's got to be a baseball analogy, right? okay? If you're the worst, how did you survive 20 years, right? The guy who strikes out the most, the batter who strikes out the most times in Major League Baseball history is not the worst hitter. The worst hitter probably only got 8 or 12 at-bats in Major League Baseball. I thought, oh, this guy's completely overmatched. Get him out of here. If you stick around for 20 years, you can't be the worst. You must have something going on. So somebody just doesn't like you and they're trying to hurt you, you're not the worst. If you were the worst, you would have been, I mean, this is radio, man. People get it, like, go after a month or two all the time.
0: Okay, second to worst?
3: Nope. Nope. Yep, you're coming up on 20 years, dude. <laughs> 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 you, were giving me, you were giving me a hard time about that Hall of Fame stuff. I was thinking about this, sitting in the airport for a really long time yesterday. I was thinking, oh, PK's totally going to end up in that Hall of Fame. We went up there when Randy Rogers went in. I was up there another time when uh, Bill Marcroft went in. You're totally going into that thing. All the years of the trip, all the years on the radio, you're going to be a Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, but they won't do it until I'm dead. Nope. I so, what's the difference?
1: <laughs> Post,
0: <laughs> posthumously.
3: <laughs> Words you always read wrong. Posthumously. Posthumously. <laughs> I, I don't know how old I was when I finally got that word right, but I know I was too old. I should have gotten that right a few years
0: earlier. Posthumously. Oh. Posthumously, yeah. Well, I, you know, if anybody can do it, posthumously, it would be me.
1: Hey, last
3: thing, Danny Connell tweeted it out. You you poo pooed it when I said it, but conference <laughs> championship weekend, BYU we, needs or
7: not needs a big game it. to
3: get in the playoff. BYU maybe it could get them into a New Year Six bowl.
0: Plus, it'd just be fun. It's not going to happen. Together, like Coastal Carolina. It's not going to happen. What, what I, I should have I, happened. Would you, they should have They should have figured it out ten years ago. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what they should have done.
3: Right, and it could have been a whole series of games bouncing around right. different, different stadiums outside the continental U.S. to get a thirteenth game, or just get a freaking waiver. Yeah, right. We've seen that all the time. There's a rule. We got a
1: waiver. <laughs> yeah. Just get a waiver,
0: waiver. South Bend or Chicago. Whatever, Uh, Jerry World, uh, any number of places. Freaking Notre Dame, you can have it on Mars, and it's going to sell out. Yeah,
3: Notre Notre Dame and BYU would definitely sell out wherever they played.
0: Yeah, and really, it does not matter. It's a it's a great idea, but it's it's a great idea whose time should have been thought years ago.
3: Yep. Well, it was. That's That's what they should have done. There've been a lot of days, Yakuish wish I would just get in my car and go home. And I told him, "You know what they ought to do?" He's like, "Yeah, I know, dude, go home."
0: <laughs> yeah, they should if they should have done it like in 2012. So, all right, Joy, your Thanksgiving, get a shot, give okay. us a call on Friday. All right, we'll talk to you. All yeah. right, that's DJ taking a couple of days off with Joy, family. Good for him; he deserves it. Doesn't take a whole lot of time off. We'll all be back together on Monday. And we'll all be back together here in a couple minutes as we wrap up the show. Get your feedback. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
11: And it's all
10: over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: Uh, Winter's going to be upon us real soon, right? How much fun would it be to spend some of it in a hot tub? Join Jake and Ben this Friday from 10 a.m. to noon at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Black Friday sale. Now, that's in Draper, right next to Cowabunga Bay, which is 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, Jake and Ben, 10 to noon. Hot tub factory outlet. They got a Black Friday sale going on. Sounds like a good time for sure. All right, your feedback whole bunch of stuff we've been having fun with today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for always joining us. Certainly appreciate your listenership over the years. Could you imagine? DJ was just talking about it. 20 years. (laughs) Coming up here in the spring. Hopefully the year after, 21, 22, you get the drift. If all goes well and all goes as planned, that's the way it'll be. So we got your feedback. Robert tweets out as I enjoyed Riley's comments this morning about Diva quarterbacks in the transfer portal really think there's a lot of QBs that need to sit and be educated on the bench something to say for that isn't there yeah because we see that Costello's got his name in the transfer portal You know, comes up early last year misses, misses the last part of your senior year of high school to go be in spring ball uh, I, yeah, that always makes me a little queasy. That kids are growing up so fast. You get the rest of your life, and what did it matter, man? Yeah, maybe it helped him realize he wasn't going to play. Uh, I, I knew something was going to be up when they uh, named that one. What's the kid's name? Barnes, as uh, the thirteen. Bryson
5: Barnes from Milford, yeah, we, Utah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where, where's Mil? I don't even know where Milford, Utah is. Uh, is essentially,
5: that? if you go to Delta, you drive like an hour west. It's out there an hour west played at a 1a high school set all kinds of records and has proven to be a pretty decent player it sounds like
0: well good for him uh that that's the case but once uh, he was listed as the third teamer even after uh what's his face left uh when brewer left it all it changed jackson right but it didn't change the other two correct the other two stayed the same and i and i, and I remember thinking to myself uh-oh uh, this could uh, cause some issues. And then we talked to DJ turkeys of the year and PK gets a nomination for Turkey of the year. Cause he got a tweet. And I'm speaking to the third person that he's the worst DJ goes to the hall of fame. I go to the worst. Ah, I put this up on Facebook. How could this be? Tammy, This is why we love PK. I love when he says stuff just to get people riled up. He did it to my dad for years, and I just laugh. Do I say that to get people riled up? Always, PK, always. (laughs) How about this? PK needs to sing more. I've often said, Yock, we should throw it out to the people. (laughs) Instapol, now, go. (laughs) Should I sing more? Because if they want me to sing, I'll sing. Oh, I gotta save this. I gotta send this to my family. PK is a freaking media genius. He's able to get a reaction from everyone. My favorite is when he says something that makes all the fan bases angry. He's got a good relationship with the coaches and asks great, great questions. The show is success because of the different personalities you guys rock. You know, actually, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to do good interviews. And I, and I do have a fairly decent relationship with the coaches, I agree. Uh, I think they feel like they, they can trust me, and I've tried to be as fair as I possibly can. And now, I mean, I root for them all to win. Uh, I like them all. There's really no head coach that I could think of that I don't like. Uh, so I don't know the Utah State guys very well, if at all. Uh, before I did, but they've changed. And I do and I do root for them to, to, to uh to do well but I, I really enjoy the. you don't get it as much anymore I enjoy the opportunities to get uh, uh, in-depth interviews I don't really like going and doing the interviews with the, everybody because you get a question here or there but that's the nature of the business I understand it I like the one-on-ones where I can ask some follow-up questions and and go from there but one guy says man he glad glad that he lives in northern Idaho and does not listen or see PK, the high voice troublemaker of pushing Max Hall to saying what he said about Utah after BYU won the game pushes his Arizona connections too much. Max David has James is a all prof- this. Do what?
5: Max Hall has dispelled all of this saying he already knew he was going to do what, you, what he, he was going to do.
0: I push my Arizona connections too much. David James is a professional all the time. He really is. I mean, DJ is the ultimate professional. We're lucky to have the you know what in our community, aren't we?
5: <laughs> no
0: doubt. <laughs> uh, we make fun, but the whole idea is to have a good time, uh, and hopefully that's what people get. Find a little analysis, maybe some insight. Spread some information that I may hear. I tend to hear a fair amount. Got to be careful of what you say and what you don't. You got to pick your spots to give information. So you don't want to get anybody upset, and you certainly don't want anybody gives you something uh, in a confidential manner, but knows you're going to broadcast it, but doesn't want to be known. So you don't want to make sure it gets back that people can figure out who you're talking to. That's not cool. But we have a good time, and I'm grateful for those who listen. Grateful for this Thanksgiving season. I wish you all the best. Jazz play tonight. Join us on Friday morning. We'll be here. The Utes play. Aggies play. Uh, jazz play that night. It'll be a busy Friday. Have a heck of a Thanksgiving. Get back with us on Black Friday. Thanks for listening. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben coming up next.